Hello mercenaries, this is Carolyn and you are listening to Merc News. After endless struggle and bloodshed, the united forces of the inner sphere pushed back the clans. Their stories will be recorded in history and told throughout the galaxy. However, the attack has come to a sudden halt this week after clans received massive reinforcements. Clan Smoke Jaguar has charged into the Draconis Combine, annihilating everything in their path, led by the Smoke Hatters. Clan Smoke Jaguar is now dangerously close to the capital planet. Curita leaders are being evacuated and a state of distress has been issued. It is predicted that Clan Ghost Bear will also return to Curita territory soon. Violence between Rasselhog and Clan Ghost Bear has become a scene of pure terror and brutality. Clan Ghost Bear arrived in full force without warning and units defending the capital planet of Rasselhog were eradicated within days. The FRR continues to press against Clan Wolf with smaller units while their best forces defend against Clan Ghost Bear. The battle between Rasselhog and Ghost Bear has become one of the bloodiest battles we have seen. Clan Jade Falcon has also returned in their invasion of the Lyran Commonwealth. Led by Jade Falcon Prime and Kel's Commandos the clan is reclaiming the planets they last in the counter-attack. Units defending House Steiner seem to have disappeared and only small groups remain to hold back the clans. Jade Falcon focuses all of their units on one planet and swiftly overpowers defending forces. However, little has been heard from Clan Wolf as they are pushed far back. Some say they have been pushed into submission while others fear they are buying their time for a second invasion. Even Clan Ghost Bear seems to ignore them as they move past Wolf and invade Steiner territory. On the Southern Front, Merrick has begun a war campaign against Houses Steiner and Evian. They invade planets day by day. Many ask what their true motive is for this campaign. The clan invasion has been a boon to the free worlds as they manufacture and sell units and war material to the other powers. It seems they have used these earnings to buff their military. They are consuming planets and resources along their borders to establish themselves as a superior power. Their success is due in part by the Black Widow Company, who has become one of the most dangerous units in the inner sphere. On a lighter note the Beer Warrior Merc group has reportedly brought booze and festivities to every planet they visit. Ships full of pirated booze and food have been brought to multiple planets. Kirkbach has become a major beer supplier after the Beer Warriors took it from Clan Wolf. Join us next week and keep up to date on all things in the Inner Sphere and Merc status. My name is Carolyn and this has been Merc News. News is a Beer Warriors production. Check them out at beerwarriors.net. This episode is brought to you by the Aces Mercenary Unit. From casual pug groups to full 12-man community warfare drops, Aces may have what you're looking for. For more information or just to say hi, visit aces-hq.com or drop in on their channel on the NGNG Outreach TeamSpeak 3 server today. If your unit would like to sponsor a podcast, contact me at bombadil at nogutsnogalaxy.net. Anyways, but uh, let's go ahead and kick things off. Yeah, basically, uh, as Phil mentioned, this will hopefully be a weekly thing. Uh, we'll see how it goes. This is the premiere episode, so uh, you know a lot of what this is in the future will be based off what we do today. Basically, the purpose of this is to uh, bring everybody together, the, the units, the various factions uh, participating in community warfare, and discuss some of the important topics and issues within community warfare, 
um, hopefully with the purpose to improve the experience for all of us. And also, it's kind of a recruitment tool. This is for people who maybe haven't experienced community warfare yet and uh, maybe give them some insight into what it's like and, and bring some more people in. So without further ado, we will introduce uh, the, the four unit leaders that we have with us today from various factions throughout the Inner Sphere or invading the Inner Sphere. Uh, first, we will introduce, let's go with Antonius Rex. Um, Antonius, how are you doing? Doing well, Bob. The, good, good to have you here. We appreciate you showing up. Uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, this will go for all of you, but we'll get you started first. Antonius, uh, give me your name, your unit, your role within the unit, and without going into a lot of detail, because we'll be doing that afterwards, what your community warfare ha experience has been so far. So, uh, Antonius, take it away. Cool. Well, hey, guys, I'm Antonius Rex. I'm uh, the leader of the Swords of Cantares and one of the founders of the Merkstar Alliance, which uh, in CW terms is uh, those MS tags you see all over the place. Um, and I guess my, I do a lot of different roles, uh, but uh, I guess the big thing I'd say, the experience with CW so far has been really quite good. They, I mean, we spent two over two years waiting for it, right? And it's finally here, and uh, there's a number of units out there that have really embraced it and I think are really, really enjoying themselves in this new war. Indeed. we Yeah, some of us have waited even longer than two years. It's, it seems like it's been forever, but it is finally here. Um, but again, without going into a lot of detail, your experience so far has been good, bad. I mean, yes, your tags are everywhere. We know that. <laughs> uh, it's, it's been good. There's been a lot of fun and I gotta, I mean, you don't always fight the top tier teams, but I gotta say, I mean, with someone with a big competitive, uh, or comp play MWO background, uh, being able to have a 12v12 against another organized team is some of the greatest MWO experiences I've had outside of comp play. I mean, you get some just nail-biter games. You know, we've had a couple end with three seconds left on the clock and taking the Omega out with four mechs on either side alive. And I mean, I, I love this game mode. There's uh, so much potential here for them to grow off of this uh, early model. I'm very excited. Indeed. Well, we'll be getting into some of that. Uh, let's go with Steve Mack next. Uh, you want to give a little info about yourself? Hey, my name's Steve. Uh, I'm just a Battalion commander for the Robinson Rangers Brigade, but I also just run all the CW-related stuff for the Rangers. Cool. So that's your unit. Are you a drop leader, or are you? Yeah, do, are, yeah. I do. Yeah. I do drop command, but I with running working with uh, Davy and House units, I don't tend to drop command too much anymore. Sure, a lot of Hug politics. Around, yeah, lot, deal with the <laughs> politics and the day-to-day -day stuff. So again, without going into a lot of detail, what's your experience been so far? It's actually been. Po pretty positive it's it's got its ups and downs but like it's only what a month old if that so it's i see a lot of good things coming to it yeah it is beta um cool we'll move on to gecko gecko you want to give us a little info about yourself hi um so yeah um i'm, I'm a star captain in uh, jade falcon prime um basically uh i what i do is uh, essentially i run the uh, tactic operations section of our of our client essentially just you know making sure you know, everyone's up on, you know, intel and, you know, tactics and strategies and all that kind of good jazz. Excellent. And what's your experience been so far? I mean, um, overwhelmingly positive. I mean, there's some ticks here and there, but we, you know, as a unit, we kind of understand it's beta. 
but it went from, you know, okay, we're having fun, we're playing the game, to it brought a lot of uh, love and enjoyment back into the game that we want, we desperately want to play. So it's it's just it's just fun. I mean, I think the other guys kind of uh, uh, hit the nail on the head. I mean, it's just it's just fun. We're finally fighting for something. Yes, indeed. I think we're going to say, you know, it's beta a number of times tonight. But, okay, that aside, we all know that that's why we're here, to improve the experience that we're having. Uh, and last but not least, um, let's see, Arasai, you want to give us some info about yourself? Sure, how you doing? Hello. Am I coming through? Yes, you're coming through quite well. Uh, so your name is Arasai, and you are unit leader for... Uh, yeah, my name is Arisai. I'm actually the uh, lore master for Clan Wolf International. We're a, uh, a lore, heavily lore-based unit that encompasses multiple galaxies and various units that all want to run the Clan Wolf tag in a lore-based faction. Lore master. I love that, that we have those now. Um, and what has your experience been so far? Uh, so far, it's been overwhelmingly positive. I think uh, the, a little bit of the shininess has kind of worn off, but it's still uh, it's a great game style, and so far, we're still enjoying it. Well, hopefully we're here to make moves towards bringing some more shininess, other shininess, new shininess. Anyway, so uh, Phil, you want to launch us into our first discussion topic of the day? Yeah, speaking of which, we have a ton to talk about, and uh, it's one of those things where we want to get your opinion, your thoughts, and uh, your expertise, because you guys are the ones involved. So the first topic is queue times, and we've seen a lot of different feedback out there. But um, So let's go ahead and jump into planetary queue information and queue times and stuff like that. Um, what's your guys' experience been with the queue times? And uh, you know, are you guys happy or disappointed? Stuff like that. Yeah, uh, what we'll do is remember the Xing up. Um, also, real quick, while you guys are thinking about uh, that topic, I do want to also say thank you for everybody that showed up today. First of all, thank you to you for the unit leaders. Uh, obviously, without you guys, we couldn't make this happen. And it is really hard to organize four people, believe it or not, to show up at the same time, same day with work schedules. And, you know, everybody's like, oh, this is obviously community warfare time. So people are wanting to be out there and putting their tags on planet. So we totally appreciate you guys showing up and all of you out there uh, listening in the audience. Thank you for showing up. Now, as Phil mentioned, the first discussion topic is Q times. There's a lot of t things to talk about under uh, Q times, but the first one is planetary Q information. Obviously there was a hot patch after community warfare came out that um, increased the amount of information that we had. Uh, what do you guys think of that, and do we need more? Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, first person to X up was Antonius Rex. So uh, them adding in that, uh, the data in terms of the player counts everywhere, that was just pure gold. Um, once you can understand what those numbers mean and get a good feel of how to interact with them, it drastically can reduce the time your guys are waiting in queue, and it lets you really make smart decisions in terms of sort of time effectiveness, right? I mean, not all of us have 10 hours a day to commit to CW, obviously. And so when you got those guys who are only there for an hour or two, you don't want to spend half or more of your time in queue. And so having those population numbers really, really goes a long way towards being able to get in the game quickly because none of us want to sit in queue that sucks <laughs> and none Did of us see... want to sit in queue just to get a turret rush right and so these population numbers really let us sort of understand where people are fighting and how to get games in quickly excellent uh gecko so yeah um i'm, I'm in agreement here with um is it Tonius, right yes 
Okay, and Tony is, and what I was saying is that it's it definitely lets you uh, better uh, just spend your time a little more wisely in terms of like where you want to wait and where you you know or rather don't want to wait. Um, I think it definitely can have some room for improvement. I think a small just tidbit on there is basically kind of like maybe an indicator of how many large groups are running in that in that particular uh, queue. So it's got to give you an idea of how hard it's being hit, not just a you know large amount of pugs, but that can help as well in terms of having giving a unit um, an indication of like hey. What what's exactly hitting this unit? Is it just basically a bunch of people kind of filtering in because there's nowhere else to fight, or is it a concentrated effort by another unit? Cool. Now I'm going to move on to uh, Steve Mack, but also keep in mind, if there's anything that you guys want to see added to the planetary queue information, you can bring that up now as well. And if uh, Gecko or Antonius, you think of something that you want to add to that, go ahead and X up again, and we'll go back to you. So uh, Steve Mack, what is your thoughts on the planetary queue information before and where it's at now and where it could be? Well, before it was, it's a it's a lot better than what it was before because you could have a full twelve minute to start and you'd still be counting up fifteen twenty minutes before you even get into a drop. Now the only problem I'm seeing, like a lot of my guys are complaining, if they only have like ten men on, they can be up in the queue for almost twenty minutes to half an hour in some cases, and it's really it actually gets a little discouraging for them to actually want to stay in and do it. I agree, uh, Arasai. What do you think? I don't echo what uh what Steve was saying because um what I've noticed so far is you know if you're running a full group of twelve the uh, queue times are actually you know they're not too bad um, but anytime you're running less than twelve even if you're looking for just that one or two extra players uh, it just you know it can go upwards pretty much any number of minutes and I know I've dropped a CW at least a few times solo in the solo experience in CW when it comes to queue times even with the the numbers on the planet is still pretty brutal. All right, so I got a question for you guys, uh, just sort of a follow-up, is uh, what do you think is an acceptable wait time? That's a hard one, huh? Um, Gecko, go for it. I think that adds perspective in terms of how um, how informed you are about how long that wait time is going to be, because, you know, if you don't know you're going to wait five minutes, it could seem like it's really long. But if you know, if you know hey, we're going to drop in exactly seven that's more bearable. So it's kind of, right. it really depends on uh, what's available, you know, in terms of like that kind of information. Uh, Antonius, so you had a, you wanted to mention a resource. Uh, yeah. Um, since we we're we talking can go about, ahead and link it. Yeah. If you, you guys want to maybe link that to uh, the stream. Sure. Uh, this we'll is put one it in of there. the resources I have up, you know, if I'm ever at my computer, I've got this up and basically uh, I'm not, sure who did it exactly but i figure if i can find the name we should uh give him a tip of the hat anyways i love this resource uh it refreshes every 15 minutes it's based off of the api data that uh, pgi released on cw and basically it shows you at any given time what's going on in uh cw uh you can see you know like uh if you look at that map stars end is roughly at 80 percent and you can look down and goido's at 20 percent and Let's see, dabbing getting beat up today, a uh, little bit on bead, but uh, not so bad maybe. Anyways, the, the point is, uh, it's tough to look at the MWO map and click on, through every single planet to get a good idea, and so this resource really just puts it all up into a nice, easy-to-read format once you understand what it's trying to tell you. Very cool. Well, I'll add this link to uh, the show notes so that uh, those of us, you know, those of you listening in or uh, listening post-show, 
we'll have that link. Um, anyway, there's, I think there's going to be a lot of information given by Russ tomorrow regarding the planetary queue information. I think there's a lot more coming. Um, anything to cut those queue times down, I know we're all going to be happy about that. Uh, but now the next topic on queue times, the 10-minute countdown. Uh, do you guys have any uh, opinions on that? Um, is the 10-minute countdown okay? Should we see a five-minute countdown? And, you know, what will the results be? Uh, Antonius, you were first. Go ahead. It, I can definitely see the benefits that PGI was aiming to bring into with that. There was a bit of a problem when you had that five-minute queue time, right? Uh, if one faction outnumbered another faction or they say one faction just wasn't participating in CW or was asleep or off hours, whatever, that five-minute queue time compared to the 10-minute, you know, you could sort of ghost drop a planet at twice the rate you can currently. And so I, I definitely agree with PGI's idea to try and do that. The issue just becomes, you know, 10-minute wait just to fight turrets is pretty painful, and then you do that once or twice, can't find people, and you just log off for the night. Uh, so it's, it's good and bad. You know, it's not a perfect solution, but it, I can understand what they were trying to do with it, and it makes sense from a gameplay perspective, or sort of like a campaign stability perspective. Uh, sure. Unfortunately, the the problem was that it uh, it doesn't necessarily make the player experience better necessarily. That being said, I mean, if you're just fighting turrets anyways, it's not like you're getting a full CW experience anyway. So. Well, we will be talking about uh, turret drops shortly, uh, Phil. I was going to say, uh, I have a question for I guess uh, Steve Mac. The next thing, would you be okay with uh, turret drops be just being removed, and if there isn't someone, you just get the benefit of the the win and you move on is that something well, you guys actually, would like actually that is a, a question down in the oh, uh, did, did, I, did i spoil it yeah. i totally spoil <laughs> uh, well we already okay so we are already asked so yeah. a peek into the future peek well, into the that's future one possibility is just turret drops being removed completely you just if if nobody shows up you get the rewards and you move on we, we will get to that but uh steve mack you did have something some input on the 10 minute countdown Actually, Antonia has pretty much nailed everything on the head that I wanted to say about it because it, it does like it goes back to people getting discouraged if they're waiting to find a group for almost twenty minutes sometimes, and then they got that ten minute countdown. There's half an hour, and guys will just pack up and go home after they get that one drop, and especially if it is just a turret run. Yep, no, I I agree. It's it's an issue that needs to be uh, further addressed. Uh, looked into Gecko. Yeah, I mean, uh, everything that these guys said before is true. I mean, in addition to that, it's like the the other side of that sword is that if it's not sufficiently long, at that point you can literally snipe a planet out with sufficient amount of numbers in you know, only a small amount of time. So you're going to have to like worry about both sides. Uh, I think something that can probably be done to fix both the queue time and maybe avoid these turret fights is come up with modes or fights that, are, that don't require full 12 uh, that – that actually add to the the planetary fight, but not in such a meaningful way as a full on twelve v twelve brawl brawl mash. Gotcha. I think just one other thing you can add to that is PGI did try and address the problem because I, I mean they're smart enough; they knew the pros and cons of the system they brought in. Uh, but with, oh, sorry, I had a bit of brain fart there. It's okay. Phil does it all the time. Phil, you had uh, something to say. No, I was going to say, I've just been reading the comments and, and Twitch, and I've, I'm seeing a lot of five-minute, five-minute, you know, I asked earlier, you know, what's an appropriate t- wait time, and it seems to be like everyone is basically saying, hey, you know, we get why they did it, but it, it's a little bit too long. And it, of, of course, this all stacks on top of one thing or the other. You guys just said you get a match 10 minutes, then the ma- you're 30 minutes 
boom, it's it's gone just to get into a match. So I feel like five minutes and uh, obviously solving some of the issues with turret drops and what you guys are talking about. Maybe just, just sort of, hey, if everyone's ready, just get them in the match really quick. Sorry, I found my train of thought there. Mm-hmm. Uh, with P- One of the things PGI did to help with that is by adding in the player count information so you know where people are fighting. It's like, yes, 10-minute wait, then a turret drop is kind of shitty, but you, I mean, unless you're going in eyes wide open, you can see that, oh, there's zero people on the planet. It's more than likely we're going to get a turret drop until we rouse the defenders or something like that. So, you know, they, they've given players the ability to adapt to the situation. So I think that, that helps quite a bit. I agree. Now, um, let's see. Well, Eris and Gecko, do you have comments regarding the 10-minute countdown? Yeah, I just want to say, like, in addition to agreeing what has already been said, I think the 10-minute countdown is pretty much at the upper limit of most players' patience. I don't know uh, what it is about the 10-minute countdown, but when it was back at the 5-minute countdown, you know, even if you got multiple drops like that, taking out the motive for taking the planet and everything like that, but people were more um, inclined to stick around for multiple 5-minute drops, uh, whereas 10-minute drops is usually, you know, one, half the people leave, another one, you know, the rest of your players leave. So I think at this point, like going, I'm not going to go into the next subject that we were going to talk about with turret drops, but I think, you know, the 10 minute countdown is pretty much at the upper limit of a lot of players' patience and anything that needs to be done to fix ghost dropping and the mechanics behind that needs to be looked at in terms of the percentages or fractions of the plant. Sure. And I think these countdowns, this issue that we're dealing with, people in in, uh, watching the stream can already see ahead in what's coming up in the topics. There's some things that I think will work to resolve this um but uh gecko did you have something to add yeah yeah i think is this it compounds to the fact that it's not truly a 10 minute countdown. that's actually longer because you can sit there waiting in the in the in the lobby counting up with all the pilots receiving orders there up to 10 minutes or even longer and then finally once you get the team together then you're waiting another 10 minutes i mean last night we had that i think it was a grand total of 22 minute count uh countdown because combined total was 12 plus 10 so it just compounds 10 minutes by itself Eh, not that big of a deal for me, at least. But when you start compounding that into other uh, other countdowns, it just starts getting out of hand. Agreed. And Gecko brings up a really good point. I mean, it, a lot of my experience comes from only having to worry about counting down. I mean, as a general rule, it's like we pretty much only play as 12-mans, or it's really late at night if we don't have the 12-man going. So I'd, I'd say that's the biggest thing you can do as a unit to cut down your wait times is playing as a 12-man. And obviously that's not possible for all units, especially over the entirety of a day, um, for sure. But this 20th patch, and I mean, I I really voiced an opinion that we wanted this before CW was released, and I was glad that they were bringing it in, is the fact that on the 20th patch we're supposed to be able to, say, me and Arisai are both Clan Wolf, we can form a 12-man together with our units if we're on the same faction. Yeah, and faction so grouping. Just that the w- number one rule, if I could give to new units, is drop as twelve mans because that's how the queue system, like your first class citizens in the queue, and yeah, you and just we'll, get right into your games. And we'll get into that too. Actually, this is all coming up. So now moving on from the ten minute countdown, and and obviously most of us I think feel like the ten minutes is too long. Five minutes is more doable. Um, I think that uh, well, first of all, we'll look at player. Uh, player and faction population, see how that affects queue times. But also then we'll move into um, solo and small groups versus full 12-man groups and things that will hopefully help the queue for all involved from solo to 12-mans, including faction grouping, um, 
uh, small. Well, anyway, these kinds of things. So we'll move into that. Uh, player faction, player and faction population. Any ideas as how that's affecting queue times currently? Uh, let's see. Those were previous X up, right? I actually have a question uh, for Antonius, mm-hmm. uh, just because this sort of pertains to it. You and your unit or units did something actually what I saw ahead of time, which was you guys were a, a conglomerate uh, of small units and you basically... An alliance. Yeah, you, you realized something very important. You want to talk of what was what was the reasoning behind what you guys did and maybe explain what you guys did to everyone else? Well, and and this this is directly related to player and faction population. Um, some people are realizing they're in a really strong unit. Um, you know, they win all, if not almost all of their matches, but they still can't take territory. They can't take planets because there's not enough population. So yeah, Antonius, what did you guys do about that? Well, that's something we realized really early on with the information PGI had released that numbers were going to be very important. Not only just base numbers, but 24-hour numbers, having oceanic populations, having European populations, having North American populations. And so, you know, SWK, or Swords Cantares, which is the unit I founded, uh, you know, we've always been a smaller unit. We only had 25 guys, and even though we've had a huge history of over two years of comp play, we've played 120 competitive matches nearly, uh, more than that if you include all of the Proxus games, and it yet coming into Community Warfare just as a single entity, we wouldn't have been able to have nearly the effect on this as we want, right? I mean, we're a comp team that gets on from 9 p.m. till midnight, and, you know, a lot of comp teams are like that, and we don't have a presence during the day. And so, you know, we realized that was going to be an issue, right? And so we started working with units that we've had uh, past experience with or had relationships with over the last two years, and you know, we got together and we formed an organization where we're, a, as you said, a conglomerate of six different comp units that all sort of banded together just for CW. And so outside of CW, we're all our individual units, you know, with full individuality and sovereignty. You recruit your own players, you run your own comp team, you run your own website, all of that. It's just under CW, we fight under the same tag because on our own, we're, we're sort of small time together well you can see what we've been able to do in such a short period of time strength in numbers now yeah how's that going for you i'm assuming since i see merc star tags all over the universe it's going well so alliances work they can be uh i mean it's it's a weird situation a lot of bigger units just want to absorb teams right and that's what they're looking at okay we'd like to absorb your team of five to twenty guys and bring you into us whereas merc star it's you know, a conglomerate of solely independent units. Uh, you know, we all get together and have our council meetings and we discuss what our plans should be, what faction we want to fight for. And then the other big draw for us is that we do 50% IS and 50% clan. You know, we just take one-week contracts and we swap back and forth. I mean, so many of us have $300 worth of clan max as well as $300 worth of IS max. It's like, why would I want to play mm-hmm. only half of those? I love all of them. <laughs> so, all right. So you figured out something that works for you guys and seems to be working well. Uh, Steve Mack, what are your thoughts? Well, the population actually, uh, we, we all got the boom from the Christmas break. Everybody was online. Everybody was happy. But it's actually started to wane out a little bit, I think. Like 
just looking at the Debian server, which a lot of the Debian units actually group together to work together, uh, we're having a hard, not a hard time, but we're seeing the, the definite population drops from what we had like two weeks ago. Yeah, no, I'm seeing that too. A uh, unit I'm running with, obviously, is there as well. Um, Gecko. Um, something to say that what he was talking about is that um, maybe that's a feature that PGI can put into the game. Alliances, like have, uh, allowing units to have their own sovereignty in game and also in their, you know, their tags and everything like that. But being part of an alliance, giving that alliance its own tags. So when you start taking planets as part of that alliance, you can. You know, have that tagged up, and you know, kind of maybe like a little sub thing where it shows that unit's part of that alliance and whatnot, and just kind of facilitate that behavior so it allows to allow the population to, you know, show the same kind of behavior and actually work together and basically leverage what little population they do have into more activity for everybody, both their opponents and themselves. So, building in alliances, have you uh, ever checked out Eve Online? You can do, you know, you can have your corporation and then you can have your alliance. It's all built into the UI. I would love to see something like that as well, uh, because I think alliances are totally valid and it's, you know, part of where this game is going. I have not, but I do remember uh, Warhammer Online. God forbid if you've played that game. Um, they did have, you know, guilds and then they had, you know, alliances. So they had, you know, a guild, a guild chat and then had an alliance chat. Yeah, uh, it definitely facilitated a lot because you know some you know some units don't have the ability to have a full twelve man at a, you know X hour, where and much like the other other units in that one don't, and so it helps facilitate what you know we want to be doing anyways in our own team speak. We're starting to see that you know not just in Merkstar, we're starting to see that with you know um, Smoke Jaguar. We're starting to see that with you know Jade Falcon. We're starting to see people organizing outside of that, but if you had a tool in the game that helps facilitate that, it'd be easier and it basically, you know, it just would be better overall for the community. Absolutely. RSI, your thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, what we've kind of learned over the past few weeks in the initial implementation of CW is that alliances definitely are the the big part of it. And one of the things that we were looking forward to is, you know, it creates a very fluid and dynamic CW environment. And I think uh, overall, the the biggest hurdle for the developers as a whole is trying to find ways where they can satisfy both both sides of the coin, where you have players that want to be in multi-unit alliances and switching factions and helping out other factions, but then also, you know, helping out the, the ones that are dedicated to like a singular faction and are mostly the lore-based units that are um, kind of, I guess at this point, feeling a little bit left behind. Whatever happened to? I mean, I know back in the day when PGI was getting the CW stuff first, you know, the literature on it. They, you know, phase one or phase two was going to be the house factions, and then they were going to deal with the Merc factions. And it feels like, you know, I don't know if they ever said we're stepping away from that or not. I may have missed that, but it definitely feels like now either you're a house unit and you only fight for one team, which comes with some LP bonuses, but obviously you can't move around, you don't have the same freedoms. And then the other, what, 50% of the population tends to be, I guess what I'd call mercs, who fight for whoever they want to on at a given time. And when you look at a lot of the top teams in CW right now, and most of them have fought for multiple factions. Yeah, that's going to probably be a question to ask Russ tomorrow at the town hall. I, I don't know. I know what you're talking about. Um, but as far as what his vision or what their vision is, uh, this year in in that direction, I don't know. So hopefully uh, we'll get some response to that. Phil, you had something to say? 
Yeah, I'd act- I have a question for you guys, and, and uh, whoever wants to answer first to sex up is, uh, have you seen a drop-off inside your units? And if so, why? Um, if you know, is it burnout? Is it just real life? Uh, you know, stuff like that. Have you seen a decrease in numbers um, internally at uh, Gecko? I mean, we see, see it partially. I don't think it has a lot to do with um christmas vacation or anything like that because a lot of our guys are pretty active regardless um it's just a lot of times it's just the novelty is kind of wearing off and it's like well you know uh two maps one mode kind of gets a little uh stale after a while and so when you're um and especially with, with you know no matchmaker a lot of times we'll get put up against you know just pugs with as a, as a 12 man at that point you know it's like sure it's we get to shoot things that aren't turrets but it might as well be airside yeah, I would say our unit has experienced a significant drop in the player activity overall, and I would actually say that over the Christmas and New Year's breaks, we're, our units were actually more active during that time than this uh, time now post-break. And I think part of that has to do with, uh, as I said before, with the shininess factor kind of wearing off. But another part I think that kind of went into it was what I was talking about before with how CW is very fluid and dynamic, and I think uh, a lot of guys in our in our unit have been you know, pretty much going up against a lot of really tough teams for quite a long time. And I think uh, with all the stuff that's happened to our faction over the past week, I think a lot of the, the guys just didn't quite say give up, but they're just taking a break from it because, you know, they're, they've been pretty much fighting nonstop for a long period of time and it just gets repetitive after a while. Steve Mack? Well, just to pretty much echo what uh, the other two in front of me have said, it's it boils down to the uh, the grind, too. Like if they're waiting in matches forever, and some some guys had to dump a hell of a lot of sea bills into kitting out all their mechs they need, they've gone back to pugging for a while just to rebuild all their sea bills. Antonius, uh, it comes back again to I feel the ability to hop around factions is such a blessing for many units, both comp units and non-competitive units. Um, I feel like a lot of the units that have had uh, been stuck as a house faction, you know, uh, some of the dabbing units, or Liao, or or Wolf, or uh, FRR, Steiner, like any of them, when you're stuck there and times get tough, I mean, you're stuck there, right? you got to deal with what's going on, and the options are, you know, continue doing the heroic defense or maybe just go play the regular queue for a while or something like that. Whereas you look at the factions that are happy to hop around and fight in different war zones, it's like every week is a new campaign. Every week you're fighting new teams, new players, and you're always hopping around. There's always some war zone that has high population, so you can just hop in and basically get insta-queues. Uh, it's just that the unfortunate reality is... Not every faction has that situation going on at a time, and so being able to move around lets you capitalize on those, uh, you know, possibilities, I guess. Yeah. Phil? Let me ask you a question. Um, This, I guess, goes with it, is do you find uh, community warfare fun, or do you look at it more of like a, not necessarily a job, but uh, you're having to put in more work? Do you think that factors into a lot of this? Uh, let's see. I, I'm sorry. I think it's Gecko. Yep. Yeah, Gecko. Uh, I, I think it's I think it's fun. Personally, I like I love the idea. It just feels more intense. If the the game itself feels more intense in the sense that there's more coordination because you know the plus one the map design and two the 
objectives are a little more linear. Uh, but also at the end of it, the map, you know, nothing beats the satisfaction. I know some of you, the novelty is lost on some of you guys who have like multiple, you know, tags on multiple planets or whatever. But like when you, when you, you do a lot of fighting, you're like, yeah, we got our tag on that planet. Even if it's just for the day, cause it gets, you know, be taken back uh, the next day. It, it's just, it kind of validates all that effort. And so I think it's, it's just fun and it just gives you different rewards other than basically grinding sea bills, you know, for the next mech config you want to build. Yep. No, I agree. Uh, Arisai? Yeah, I definitely agree with the objective and rewards-based playstyle. It's it's definitely, you know, you've got an actual end goal that you're aiming for. And the thing I love most about CW is, you know, you know, half the times in the group queue, or actually I'd say most of the time, you know, pretty much your greatest chance of success is just to get into a death ball and win. And I think with the, the most recent changes to CW that kind of prevented the, the light Zerg rush that was initially in there from the beginning i think now you know we're actually seeing a time where tactics and stuff like that actually do make an impact and you know i think uh one of the best feelings is if you've got a team of mostly newer players but they listen well and they actually you know pull off a a relatively complicated maneuver and you can catch a much better team with their their pants down basically and win the game you know there's there's no greater feeling than that no pants uh steve mack i I think it's personally a lot of fun because uh, I've always liked the, the strategic aspect of it all. Like the like you said earlier, the politics, moving the chess pieces around the board, essentially. And yeah. like what was echoed before, the, the death balling. Yeah, I think, well, it's kind of what we're moving into next. Now, obviously, uh, player and faction population does matter. Uh, there's things that you can do it uh, about it. Just ask Antonius. Um, and there's ways to work the system. O- obviously, more things coming into the game, into community warfare, uh, fleshing it out more, developing it further will help those uh, those things. You know. But anyway, moving into uh, the next topic under Q times is solo and small groups versus uh, full twelve mans. Now, this is a this is a I guess I want to use the word controversial topic because for, for some of us that play other games that have, you know, the competitive uh, community warfare aspect, whatever you want to call it in the other games, uh, a lot of them don't eva- allow uh, solo players in small groups. It's either you have a full group, your, your unit or your, your team is there or you're, you're not playing it. Um, I definitely think that community warfare and this type of combat and planetary ownership caters to that. But obviously, PGI has made the, the, it the goal to allow solo and small groups in. And, and so because that's the case, we need to make it as fun and enjoyable for everybody as possible. So uh, what are you guys' thoughts on solo and small groups um, versus 12 mans and, you know, different subject matter within it? Like faction grouping is obviously going to help solo and small groups a lot. VoIP will help uh, solo and small groups a lot. Uh, so let's see who's first here. Uh, Antonius, your thoughts? Uh, mine was uh, last up. Oh, I'm sorry. Gecko. Um, I think creating content that allows smaller groups to play in smaller groups when, you know, there's no option for them to go up against, you know, uh, into the full 12-man is is really needed um, because it will fix some of the issues we talked about previously in terms of, like, hey, we don't have enough people to, you know, to make a full 12, so congratulations, you're waiting in the queue for 20 minutes. Um, instead of doing that, you're going up against an 4v4 or an 8v8 or what have you and allows Somalis to kind of participate in the war, if you will, and it reduces the, the, the queue times because those games won't last very long and they'll get tossed right back into the mix again. Um, 
And it's one of those things where I know the queue is split enough to where a matchmaker seems like it's an impossibility, but even just something small of going, cool, if you're in a 12-man and there's currently a 12-man in the queue that happened to be in a fight, we'd rather have you wait for that game to finish than put you up against a 12-man, which we might as well just put you up against turrets. Because pugs don't enjoy, you know, getting rolled over Stomp. and yep. don't, don't enjoy getting rolled over and 12-mans rather play other 12-mans. Airside? Yeah, I definitely echo that and, you know, from the the solo player and group player experience, um, you know, there's there's a wide range of play styles in the, the solo queue for CW where some games are kind of exactly like the public solo queue and other games are highly organized and you can actually rally them together. I think, uh, you know, I'm not going to put this out as like an official suggestion, but like I think, uh, you know, looking at the matchmaker in the different ways, um, I don't know if there's any possibilities of there being smaller groups where, you know, you have uh, certain territories in the planet that can be contested in like, say, 6v6 games or 4v4s that count for a smaller faction of the planets where so that way solo players can go up against teams that aren't necessarily full 12-mans that will roll them over, but they'll still feel like they're contributing to the fight. Hopefully you tune in to the uh, town hall meeting tomorrow night with Russ because he's going to say something specifically about what you just brought up. Some bombs are going to be dropped. Yes, there will be some bombs dropped. Uh, Antonius. I was going to say, I mean, PG has done a lot of things to help with sort of the solo queue. I mean, you can see the population numbers. Uh, the 20th patch, I think, is going to be such a big deal when they, you can group up with other people in your faction. That'll be a really big deal. Um, but I definitely, I fear splitting the player base. I mean, I've, I've heard the suggestion of, okay, we'll just make it like the regular queue where you've got the solo drop or the solo queue and the group queue. And I, that's not the answer at all. I mean, one, the group queues will just start solo dropping as a group. And since you're all in one faction, you'll all get put up together. You know, it's so easy counter to that. But, uh, yeah, whatever we can do to increase the population numbers will serve CW so much better than, or uh, you know, splitting up the community in that sense. I mean, it's just too small, and I—it's not a perfect answer, and I don't know what the answer is, but I—I I feel like hopefully splitting PGI up the news isn't. Yeah, yeah. yeah hopefully, Deco. I mean, they're—they're they're the ones who are paid to do it, so I suspect they've got a good idea of some possibilities that could help. Yeah, um, what I was saying before about you know having content for the smaller groups and like you were saying a way of participating in in the battle that isn't necessarily just those points and you have in different territories or whatever. I mean, you can break it down into a percentage based, um, you know, taking of the planet rather than the specific notches. So you have like you know twelve v twelve equal X number percentage of planet ownership, be while six v sixes and eight v eights or what whatever system they choose would be a would be less of that. And so, you know, it kind of gives them a way to participate, but it's used mostly as like a, a queue filler and says that keep people from waiting in queue for too long, um, but let's allow them the fight. And I think, you know, kind of utilizing the call to arm system and the um, planetary information um, uh, menu or, or, or setup that they have on there would help as well in the sense that it allows, say you're running a 12-man and, you know, you want to, you know, help contribute somewhere and you see specifically, hey, there's another 12-man or a large group running on this planet, whereas the another planet is mostly just pu mostly pugs. At the same time, if you're a solo player, you know, hey, I don't want to get stomped by a 12-man, and over here you're telling me, hey, there's a spot specifically open for 
uh, solo player. So it's kind of like, it doesn't really prohibit it, but it kind of guides the population to a more appropriate game. Gotcha. Phil? So I have a question, and this is this is more dedicated towards solo players. Now, we were just talking about this on the podcast, and I, I feel it's a pervert to bring up. But, uh, you know, when talking about solo players, you have a lot of people out there that have shown a lot of frustration of basically saying, hey, I'm dropping solo, and I'm, and I'm just getting, you know, raffle stumped every single time. Obviously, the call to arms is being fixed. I think that's been tweeted out and saying, and the command share, that, that's, that's being fixed. So there actually will be a call to arms. But one of the things I brought up was, are you just cannon fodder? You know, right now you basically are. You're filler, right? You, if if it could be a full twelve men of pugs, it could be two of you, it could be one of you to fill in the gaps. Is that the role solo players need to accept, or or do you believe it should be the roles? I guess you know. Do you have any other options for them out there? Because we're not doing twelve man groups all the time, right? That's not a requirement. And because you have all those gaps, you have to have solo players. Do you just tell the people, suck the hell up, you know, this, this is a team game? Like, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Arisai. Um, I think the sad reality is, in, in a way, the solo players do act as filler uh, for a lot of spots. And, you know, right now, I'd like to see them have more participation and more of a uh, objective that they can be specifically catered towards. But I also think it's, you know, not really much of a like suck it up for the solo players factor, but I think it actually falls on the larger units to actually, you know, make sure they're looking out for the solo players and give them a, at least a good game experience. Like where instead of, you know, just instantly rushing for the generator and just, you know, creating this death ball rush that will in- endlessly or instantly win the game in about two minutes. You know, I know many lore based clan units have called out pug teams and said, Hey, do you guys want to do Zellbriggan one-on-one battles? And then they just do one-on-one until eventually no mechs are left on one side. So I think experiences like that uh, greatly enhance the experience of CW because it gives solo players a different kind of experience that they're not used to and something that they can enjoy. Um, even though they may still lose the game, they can still look at it as a good experience. Steve Mack. I think the, uh, regards to what everybody said, I think the faction grouping is going to actually help that a lot. Because if you got to say I've got four guys and I come over here and I see another eight guys just sitting in a queue looking for a drop. It's like, hey, you want to group up? You're all Davians, let's go. And just have some fun in CW. It'd almost be just like grouping up with people in the pub- public queues. Gecko? Um, I think another small... I mean, I echo what these guys are saying as well. These are all good ideas. I think something can be added to this is the ability to pick, uh, copy and paste on the lobby. I know that sounds like really minor, but like I'm, at that point, I'm able to copy and paste the TeamSpeak info, and they're able to copy it from there and then go into the TeamSpeak and then go to the appropriate, you know... TeamSpeak to, to join in that. I know we've had several cases where, you know, pugs will come into our channel and coordinate with us, and we're always helpful. We're always grateful for that, and they're always grateful for the experience, and we try to give it out every single game, but you know what? Just make it more convenient. That's really all it is. Like, we have the tools. We just need to make it easier to use. Cool. Antonius? Yeah, Gecko nailed it right on the head there. Uh, I mean, I've always been involved in group play. I mean, I the number of times I've solo dropped outside of a tournament that required it are very small because this is a team game after all. But I, I guess the biggest advice I could ever give to sort of the pugs or the solo queue guys, I mean, some people have their reasons for not wanting to play in a group, but in CW, especially after the 20th change, where if you're in the same faction, you can play with each other. 
you know, a lot of options open up. So many of the factions have sort of unified faction team speaks. Like FRR has theirs. A wolf has a sort of a wolf hub. I heard uh, Steiner's got a, a one. Uh, Davian's got one on the Headhunter server. And the point is, all of these factions have big team speaks where really you just need to Google it for the most part, and you can usually get the information. And so, if you're a new player who, or an older player who's looking to play with people. This game is meant to be a team game, and so I strongly encourage everyone who plays this to... I mean, you don't have to join a unit, but there's nothing saying if you're a Davian player, you can't go hop on the Davian server and go find a 12-man to play with. Even if it's not a 12-man, a 6-man is better than solo dropping. I mean, I am biased, but the options are there if you're willing to, you know, take the 10 minutes to find them. Teams are OP, Phil. Teamwork OP. Teamwork is OP. Uh, so I guess you know, I've heard I've heard a little bit about it. You guys want some some small maybe objectives that may scale for solo players, um, but throughout all the answers I just basically heard is this is a team game, and it is pushing out. We referenced uh, Eve on uh, Eve Online earlier. Another game too uh, that we've we've talked about, uh, Darren, is like World of Tanks, very similar in ways, but World of Tanks does only full matches they don't have solo players um is that something in clan wars in clan wars sorry let me preference that in clan wars which is basically planetary warfare, warfare, warfare. Yeah. so i guess my question is you know is that is that what's neat and this i know this is totally hypothetical is that what's needed basically to say you know hey if you want to do community warfare you have well no i'm I'm just asking like for instance (laughs) if you're going around in in community warfare you can roll with any size group you want but you're not going to get filler of individual players i don't know it's to me it just seems very tough for a solo player to basically um i get both sides uh i I don't want to be rolled and rolled and rolled but also how do you cater to both when this is community warfare um and uh you know so Gecko, do you have something short? I do want to move on to the next it's, topic. It's, it's, it is short. Um, Go for it. Is it? You asked the question: Is it what's needed? Probably. Can we? Can we do it? Probably not. We don't have the player base like Watt does, but we also have the pros of being more inclusive than that system does. And it, says it allows people who don't have clans or aren't aren't with their clans at that point in time to join up and and be part of that environment, anyways. Uh, that being said, I think maybe a small message or even a small tutorial or even a small video for, for anyone, you know, dropping on CW for the first time as a solo player. Tell them straight up, like, hey, this is a team game. Uh, here are all your options for joining up with uh, with other people, coordinate with them, because this isn't exactly going to be friendly for you if you go by yourself. Yeah, I think, okay, first of all, the two biggest issues um, that I see people talking about with community warfare right now are queue times and rewards. We're moving into the next discussion topic, which is going to be rewards. But queue times, I think we, we're going to see a lot of updates, changes, making it better over the next month or two. Uh, first of all, you know, we already saw what the increased planetary queue information has brought us. It's for people who understand it. Uh, we're able to get into matches more, you know, av- avoid turret drops, etc. Um you know, additional things like faction grouping, huge. I mean, that's, I, I think that can't be stated, you know, enough that that's going to be a, a huge boon to community warfare. Um, and then something that you guys are going to hear tomorrow, uh, Phil and I know about, is that there's going to be some big news about VoIP, basically. We can't go into detail, but you're going to hear about it from Russ. Um, 
really big news. I think that's going to help. Basically, anything making the experience better for new players, single players, solo players, small groups, etc., is just going to make the experience better for everybody, including full 12 mans. I think there's a lot of stuff coming that's going to help with the queue times, get people back uh, into community warfare. And uh, let's talk about one of those now, which is uh, rewards. Phil, do you have something you want to say? Um, basically, just in regards to uh, solo players uh, mm-hmm. and even group, at the end of the day, it comes down to organization. So any type of tool, any type of system, especially in-game, the less that the person has to do uh, individually, especially third-party, if they don't have to leave the game, as long as it's in-game, any type of organizational solo, if you're playing for a faction, you've got the call to arms and other options, if it's organizing them in-game, it's going to help their gaming experience. It's going to give them more chances to win matches and earn rewards and stuff like that. But I think that's ultimately what it comes down to is just getting them tools in game to where it leads them to success. Cause at the end of the day, no one likes to just lose every single time. And I'm not saying that's always a guaranteed, but uh, a lot of the times, uh, you know, that caters towards that, but. All right. So the next discussion topic is rewards. Uh, we're going to talk about match rewards, individual match rewards, planetary ownership rewards, which right now is your tags. And of course, loyalty points. So if, beginning with uh, match rewards, what do you guys think about match rewards uh, compared to solo and group queue? Um, you know, there's been some complaints about people farming sea bills uh, in community warfare. What do you guys think? And I did take my eyes away from the uh, chat. So who X'd up first? Are any of these current X's? No. <laughs> okay, I'll start with Arisai. I think uh, overall, I haven't seen too much farming in CW. I have heard of it happening. Um, but the general consensus I've seen is that with the queue times, the wait the wait time for it to count up to find a full team, and then the you know full counter as you're counting down, that the solo and the public queues, or I mean the, sorry, the solo and the group queues are both more worth it in the long run for people to grind in. Um, and I think CW, you're pretty much you're pretty much breaking even with like normal group play if you're really pulling a strong game. Um, and I'm talking like you're doing at least five, six kills, getting, you know, 1500 plus damage. And, you know, then you might see an appreciable extra C bills and stuff like that. But I think for the majority of players that are playing, they're not really seeing much of a bonus to playing CW and they're actually seeing it as a liability that they're losing um, more opportunities for profit over time. All right, Antonius, you're next, but I really quickly just want to add also, uh, add to the the idea of the discussion, should Community Warfare matches even be comparable? Does it matter when, if your unit's dropping Community Warfare, is that what's on their mind, grinding C-bills? Should that be a separate thing? People use the public queues for grinding, et cetera. I'm not saying one way or the other, but uh, Antonius, go for it. It's an interesting point you brought up, and I, I guess I would like to see CW be seen as a more profitable thing you know cw is toted as the hardcore mode the end game content if you will of you know pgi's mwo and so that's troubling to hear uh Arisi, that you know the general populace isn't making money in cw and that's that that has to really be frustrating i mean if you're not making money and you're losing a lot then what's the point I mean, that makes a lot of sense why wouldn't you just go make money in the public queue well um, do, i i see people in my unit grinding public matches to earn c bills and, and level their mechs and then specifically dropping cw for three or four hours a day and not so much worried about it now of course 
who's going to say, no, I don't want more C-bills and no, my, you know, I don't want more rewards. So I, again, I'm not saying uh, one way or the other, but uh, yeah, just keep that in mind, Gecko. Well, I get, well, sorry. I think my experience with CW and I mean, we we're always running 12 mans. We tend to have like a 98% win rate or something stupid like that. And we, because I, I'm called the Q whisperer. Some people call me that in that, I can read the, the numbers, and for the most part, I can insta-queue us very consistently, uh, just because we're willing to fight all over the place, right? And so, my experience is CW has been a money farm. I mean, I, I've i made $160 million in the last four weeks, and I only play CW. So, the Q whisperer, I fucking love that. So, it, the possibility for CW profits is immense. Like, I, I'm not kidding you the amount of money MS has made playing CW. That being said, it's different circumstances, right? Good drop rates, always playing 12-mans, high win percentages, stuff like that. So that's why I'm, I'm concerned when I hear that, you know, perhaps the other side of the equation is people not make more money in the regular queue, because well, I can honestly tell you I've never made this much money in the regular queue. Well, and you learn to work the system, both with, uh, you know, alliances and being a queue whisperer. Uh, Gecko? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, um, if you if everything's running right, uh, CW can be a really good uh, way to grind out C bills and you know farm up essentially. But it's it's one of those things where I can I come in from a complete bias from a unit has a permanent contract with a faction. So I can say with absolute certainty we're not here for the C bills. So it's going to rewards. There kind of needs to be something else. I'd so, be down with more money for everyone. Yeah, I mean, more money can be, you know, can be can be good. I mean, honestly, it's one of those things where, like, if, you, if they gave us something to the ends of, like, cool, everyone in your faction has, you know, Jade Falcon skins or something like that. Just something that's going to, that doesn't necessarily just line your pockets because a lot of times we don't care. Um, it's it's a lot of times we just, you know, we're playing the, the game for, C, for CW, not necessarily just for the game itself. And a lot of times in matches, you know, we get efficient at winning, and so we can end the matches with very minimal amount of effort. And so then when, when that happens, then I don't mean like, okay, we're, we're off of stuff. I'm talking about we can win it quickly. And mm -hmm. so when we do that, we don't make as much money. And so it's like we're not really incentivized to actually win quickly. Gotcha. Steve Mack? Well, for the C-Bills, um, even if they just up the uh, the base awards, like your kills, your wins, your losses, all that, uh, that would actually probably go – a good way to bring in the solo players. Uh, I lost my train of thought there. Well, more money, the more, like basically solo players right now are getting in. They're not making a lot of money. They see, you know, everybody needs C-bills. There's not a single person out there yes. that I know. So yeah, increasing the incentives, of the, the payout rewards would bring hopefully some of the uh, solo players back. Yeah, because if you're spending very... almost 40 minutes in a queue, including like your, your long wait time if you're a solo player, then you get matches over in 10 minutes. You could have dropped three, three yep. solo matches and made double what you just made in a loss. I, I wouldn't mind seeing, I think, and maybe that could help with the solo player experience. It's just a flat bonus. If you're solo dropping in CW, mm. you're, you're just given 100, 100k just off right. the top as win or lose. Um, and I... I the thing that kills me about the you know how like PGI has increased the rewards you get for the different factions and I love that they're doing that because it's a way PGI can work with CW and push things to create better campaign balance and things like that and like American Civil War that's <laughs> I know all about that but I, I really hope that they 
find a way to incentivize this for uh, some people. And the the current reward system, to, honestly, for me, is a joke. It I'm super pleased that it's worked. I mean, you saw FRR take a contract bonus and a whole bunch of teams flooded to them. CSJ got one, a whole bunch of teams flooded there. Liao, same thing. And that's really great to see. The cosmic joke of it all is, though, for the average player, like, what, you get an extra 50 LP and, like, 50 grand, but only if you win? I mean, if I'm making 750 grand in a game, like, 50k is a joke. It doesn't even pay for... The, it barely pays for the arty strike I used four times in a match. I mean, <laughs> some, some more balance to the payouts, rewards, and uh, a paycheck for being cannon fodder. That is interesting. Uh, Phil, you had something? Uh, Gecko, you're next, but Phil? Well, I, I think we got to look at it from a few different perspectives. One, uh, you know, solo players, for the, for the most part, are going up against you, Antonius. They're going up against other units. And, um, you know, it's really tough to basically say if you up the incentive uh, or up the reward for everybody, that inherently makes the top you know of of the food chain even richer i think where where you'd have to look at it is on a per match basis that the game knows hey i've got a mixed match hodgepodge of on you know team a and then i've got uh, let's just say Merkster on team b well inherently knows all those guys are hodgepodge so hey let's give them multipliers for whatever their earnings because they're individuals and stuff like that i I think that would work because basically what it's saying is we realize you're going up against a 12 man we realize you're going up against a two you know a 10 man and that hey you overcame that with smaller numbers organized numbers but i do think there are some things that are going to be changing uh, as far as helping communication command will and void but also i do want to point out that uh you know Sorry, <laughs> someone just it. no. Someone just uh, poked me on Teamspeak. Ah, no, don't poke me. Um, I also want to you know point out the fact of you know is uh, you know um, uh, what is it farming of sea bills even wrong? Because at the end of the day, and I do want to point this out, if if PGI doesn't want that behavior, they have to change the game they have and to increase the rewards, yeah. or, or or just for the fact of should community warfare be a way to make money now antonius you're saying yes and some of the people out there are saying that's what solo and group queue well i'm gonna throw this out there i agree with both sides but if community warfare is 24 7 you should have the option of at least making enough money to buy other mechs or other maybe rewards or uh, achievements based on community warfare that rewards you for playing in there 24 7 and even if i'm a solo player i should be rewarded for being cannon fodder so much and putting myself at risk and stuff but that that is a point of saying if community warfare is 24 7 am i expected to play there 24 7 you know am i expected and if i'm a solo player i'm not making a whole lot of money and i know that's true because i've dropped solo um so it's one of those things where I think if there was a multiplier, if there was a way, it would incentivize uh, you know people well, going out there. Phil, take that maybe even one step further. You look at the the time disparity where ninety percent of CW happens in that five p.m. till ceasefire Eastern window, right? And after ceasefire, it's everything's quiet. Maybe even take that a step further and go on the twelve hours of least populated days. We're going to double your cash. Just you know, give people incentive to play at those off hours. That's money well, we're building gonna, the population base there. We're going to talk about 24-7 thing a little bit later. Uh, Gecko, I do want to get to you because we do need to move sure. along, guys. I'm sorry. Obviously, this could be five hours, but uh, Gecko? Sure thing, sure thing. Uh, I mean, I want to echo what uh, Phil said. and um, Was uh, is it Antonius or Aries that uh, said it? Uh, I think Antonius. 
So it's yeah, about having the incentivi- incentivizing play outside that clutch you know, window. Uh, I think those are going to be good steps. I think you can even take it a step further going, hey, you're a soul player. We know you're basically signing up with the, with the uh, blindfold uh, over your eyes, you're watching right towards the 12-man. So here's some money to help, help ease that pain a little bit. Just kind of just a flat reward of like you're you're going in solo queue. Here's a flat reward that you're getting. Period. Just incentivize people in there because we can't make CW successful if people don't go to it. So we need a way of flooding them into it, even if it is giving them a flat reward to do it. Um, another th- the type of reward system is like for units, for example. Once you start having things like unit inventories and all that kind of stuff, having modules like having things that they're f- flat out given as a unit that you know give are given higher higher loyalty points. Uh, at that point, you can go, hey, you know what? Uh, we need, you need help with some modules. We're going to give you, you know, radar dope. We're going to give you target acquisition. We're going to give you uh, seismic. And, you know, that's basically unit property, essentially. So it kind of helps different ways other than C-bills. Because, like I said before, some people just don't need them. I, d- I just want to just highlight the one of the things he said is it needs to be a flat rate. The problem in my eye with the current loyalty boost is if you're sitting 40 minutes in queue, get into a 10-minute game, get rolled, and then you don't even get the bonus 50 LP, then what's the point? And so it really needs to be that flat rate where, seriously, if you're solo dropping, and I, I really hope PGI is looking at this, is just give them 100 grand for showing up. Please. They're listening. That that like That is legit. I think that'll really help the situation. Perhaps it causes some other problems that I haven't foreseen. It's a new idea, but the point is it, the flat rate is what'll help it. Uh, we need people. I mean, the, the the solo guys, I can't. They can't have a higher than fifty percent win rate. I'm assuming it's thirty-five, forty percent. I don't have any good idea, but so a flat rate is what's needed, not a win-based reward. Phil, one of the things I'd like to point out, and, and we're about to talk about this planet ownership and rewards and loyalty points, is the higher level of what community warfare, and we don't know. Um, and this is something that uh, you know Russ is going to be talking about tomorrow in the town hall. But is our units going to actually be fighting and incentivized for other things other than C-bills and loyalty points, or at least C-bills? So, for instance, um, you know, one of your units drops a 12-man, and instead of farming C-bills, you don't do that. You just get the match over really quick because you want to move on to something higher level, higher up as far as the rewards, whether, and again, I don't have uh, any details on that or or what it could be, but those are the type of things that would incentivize the unit to say, hey, we're not going to sit here. We don't really need the C-bills. We need these other uh, rewards that a planet or taking, this is why we're fighting for this planet, not just for C-bills. And uh, again, disproportionately, any type of reward system you have to look will always favor the bigger numbers because you're wanting more. So if you if you flip that around to where, you know, you guys aren't having C-bill issues, but they are, you know, sort of favor them, uh, like we just said. But we do have to move on. And speaking of planet uh, ownership rewards, let's go ahead and talk about that. What are some things that you guys would like to see? Because we don't really know of anything uh, just yet. I know Russ is going to be talking about it. And uh, so if, uh, who wants to talk about the first X up? In, uh, yeah, show? I mean, basically, you know, planetary rewards, I think – you know, right now we got our tags and that's cool. Um, and it was the first shiny, but I think that, uh, definitely, um, something more substantial, you know, there's things that people have thrown out there is MC, C bills, uh, some kind of reward based on a planet like this planet has certain factories. So you get certain mechs at a discount, or if you take this planet, it cuts off these resources or increases, whatever. There's a lot of ideas for planetary ownership and the rewards that would, uh, that would come, uh, Steve Mac, what do you think? Well, pretty much what you just said there, uh, like 
for instance, some planets do have mech factories. So you get a, mech, a factory that makes, say, Jaeger mechs. You get you, your fa- anybody in your unit that has the, the the unit that has the tag on that planet can buy a Jaeger mech and say thirty percent off the price for C bills, or use so much of their loyalty points for it. Yep, I like that gecko. Um, another idea could be um, mass selection. Like basically, these cases if you if you could possibly be worked into the UI of like, cool, we own this planet and we're dropping in a twelve man. We now have the 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 uh, you know it's kind of like more on us to try to hold on to that uh, planet and just basically go, all right, cool. Uh, we get to we get to pick the map. And that's basically you know giving them that advantage of being able to do that. Um, but you know obviously you have to kind of curve that a little bit. Uh, another one could be um, free consumables, like basically free whenever you're dropping for that for that faction on that planet specifically. Cool, your consumables are free. Um, that allows you to kind of have more options in terms of like, A, you make more sea bills because you're not wasting as many. Um, and then B, you know, you can kind of like load up on that or, you know. Arisai. Yeah, I agree with uh, like plant ownership having an impact on like what tech you can buy. And I, I really like the idea of like kind of like a supply bonus in a way of being able to get cheaper mechs or cheaper uh, or even like free coolant pods or stuff like that for your mech. But I think in order to really work out a system that would reward plant ownership correctly. I think the the algorithm for determining who owns the plant needs to be looked at because I think one thing we kind of saw with the beginning of CW is, you know, a lot of the competitive teams, you know, they, they're generally a lot smaller than the really large permanent house-based teams. And, you know, the house-based team would take the name of the plant just because they have a total uh, much larger number of wins on the planet, even though the ratio of wins to losses is a lot higher for the competitive team. So I think this would possibly have an issue of shorthanding the competitive teams and giving too much of a bonus to the, the larger units. That's the form alliances, but yeah, no, I hear what you're saying. Uh, Phil, you had a comment? Well, I just want to uh, sort of say great ideas, Gecko. I mean, again, I know the mm-hmm. idea of, um, and I'm not discrediting anybody out here. I'm just saying the idea of just C-bills. Um, I, I think we have to look past that. Those are the what I was just talking about as far as like rewards for units is higher level stuff. Not just C-bills are only good for once, twice. That's it. I mean, it, you own mechs. We don't lose them. And unless they implement that where it's only community warfare and you get stuff for really cheap or whatever. Okay, cool. Um, but as far as I'm talking about stuff like what Gecko was just talking about, some some higher level stuff to where if I own the planet and it's a munitions factory or it's a drone factory, then we get free UAVs or stuff like that. Or we get extra UAVs or something other than or, hey, we own this planet. So we get to pick the, the drop zone where you're at, i.e. the map or something like that. Because yeah. if you just see bills is just it's just it's surface stuff. It's, it's lower level. It's not as important. And it's, it's, oh, it's over and it's used and it's done for and you move on. Like if I need to, you know, same thing with like weapons, weapons are, are cheap as is. That's really not going to do a whole lot. I'm not saying that's not a bad idea, but those are definitely lower level uh, fruit. I, I think any unit out there would really, really like those higher level things and ideas like that, by the way, guys, uh, post them up <laughs> everywhere. If you got them, it's always great to hear Cause you know, sometimes you, you have a great idea and you think, oh, everybody knows, and you don't. And next thing you know, it's a, it's a great idea. So I actually really like that, Gecko. Gecko, did you have a follow-up? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, another thing I just thought of uh, quick as well is that a lot of times we have, like he was talking about, you know, people were simply able by able to take position on that planet simply by having the volume of matches on there. I think something that could be done as well as having not really like a constellation prize, but like, you know, a secondary 
uh, factions that can kind of be mentioned on there, because a lot of times, you know, units are kind of discouraged when they don't see their name on there, even though they put a lot of effort in there, kind of having just a note on there of like, hey, you know, this is they, they've also put the effort in, you know, in there, having something on there kind of shows how close they were, how far they were, how much, contribu- how much they contribute to that fight. Uh, and then you can add to this to having like, you know, maybe like fortifications or forts, if you will, or bases or what have you. Cool, this unit has a base on this planet, um, and you can even play around that in the game as well, having, you know, base, uh, like specific types of uh, forts, fort maps, if you will, uh, that are, uh, I know that a lot of them already have gates and turrets and all that kind of good stuff, right, so it's kind of hard to differentiate, but having specific fort maps where a unit has been, it's, it's a lot more uh, conducive to just killing everybody as opposed to just killing the generators, but allowing those factions that have those secondary forts on there to participate in defending those forts should they come under attack could be another incentive like hey i want to play on that map or hey i want to defend the planet you know that i fought really hard to to take and help take you know i want to play on these kind of maps and i can choose to do so if i'm part of that faction and i'm bringing a 12 man or whatever steve yeah like like what he just said um with like you get some units like for instance uh Rangers and Aces will be hitting a Merrick planet for all day, and Aces will have just, say, one or two more members on that team. They get their name on the planet, but we've put in a lot of work as well. Have it where, like, the top two or three teams get their almost – Aces gets their name on the title planet, but the top two or three teams get a share of the, the victory prize. Well, I have to say I love all of the above. Just the idea of adding more um, rewards, both match rewards uh, and planetary ownership rewards. I think there's a lot that can be done there. I think that'll help bring people back. Um, I think it'll help uh, keep people interested. The next topic was actually loyalty points. We're going to hear about that from Russ tomorrow. So unless, uh, you know any of you four have something specific that you want to comment on loyalty points, I am going to move on to the next discussion topic. So I don't see any X's coming up. So I'm going to move on to the next one, which is ceasefire. Uh, We know right now there's one ceasefire every 24 hours, and that's going to be changing to three ceasefires every eight hours and and multiple reasons for this happening. Uh, There is actually a very large uh, non-North America population that loves playing MechWarrior online. And and basically they've been getting the short end of the stick. They're not awake when we're, you know, those those crucial four hours or whatever before uh, ceasefire. Um, so hopefully that's going to make that a little bit better. But let's get into the discussion about that. What we expect to see from going from one ceasefire a day to three ceasefires a day. Uh, who has uh, a comment? Let's go with Gecko first. I think you're going to see a lot more plants being, you know, taken, obviously. You know, you, you see sometimes when, when populations shift and you see plants start to go, plants being taken, go all go in one direction for like a week straight. And you imagine that times three. Um, so that may be an issue, uh, for smaller territory factions, i.e. the clans, um, you know, it may not even make a dent for the larger ones. Um, but I also see it being a bigger potential to kind of go back and forth on planets, making that planet give and take a little more dynamic, making it a little bit more exciting as opposed to go seeing the, the bar go tick up and tick down, tick up and tick down. You'll see planets go back and forth and whatnot. Um, so hopefully we'll see it, give them the benefit of the doubt and we'll see what happens. Antonius. Yeah, I think it, I don't know how much I fully support the three-stage, twenty-four-hour period. Um, I, I definitely agree. It's something has to be done to make CW more appealing to the European and uh, Oceanic populations. Like, absolutely, that needs to occur. But 
Uh, I guess I was more of a fan of perhaps a rotating schedule where, say, it, like, shifts four hours every day. You know, so we'd have, like, a 20-hour schedule or a 28-hour schedule, something like that. Why not both? Um, but, well, you could do both to some degree. But I, I share the same concern that uh, Gecko had where, you know, let's let's look at, uh, uh, say, Davian versus Liao or Ghost Bear versus anyone. I mean, if, if you can suddenly take three times the planets you did in every day... I mean, imagine if Ghost Bear was able to take three planets a day and everything happened the same as it did over the last five weeks. I mean, Ghost Bear would already be to Terra. So, some concerns there, right? I, not to say we can't make that work, but uh, anyways, I, I had felt a rotating schedule might be more effective because I fear I fear the potential for three planets taken a day. Airside. Well, let me break down first off is the issue remains of the the ceasefire or t- window to take planets is what? Basically 8 to 11 p.m. Eastern or something like that, correct? Currently, that, that's what it's at? Well, when most people are participating, yeah, it's, yeah. it's up so, to ceasefire four hours before that. Yeah, so m- my point being is right now the, the, the window to actually flip a planet is North American time zone. So the issue remains of anybody outside North American time zone, basically they're sleeping, they're at work, doing whatever, and it's not fair. So they're introducing this so that there's more opportunities. Now, that also causes issues is basically North Americans are going to be at work, asleep, and we're going to have, it's all going to be rotation. So you're going to have planets taken on and off times. And so what that's really going to fall down to is those factions or mercenaries, whoever allied with whoever, have to have a strong player base. Like, for instance, if you guys are Davion and you're heavy North American, uh, you may lose planets uh, during your your ceasefire. So my question is to you guys, is there even a point to having battles outside of that that, that four-hour window? I mean, like right now, is is there a point? Yeah, Yeah, certainly there is a point. And it, it comes in for the Europeans and the Oceanic groups. They play all their games at their off times, but say, let's take OMC, Oceanic Merc Corps, for, as an example. Every time they win a drop with a 12-man of OMC, they put 12 OMC points towards that planet. And so say Merkstar and OMC are fighting over the, helping each other on the same planet, and OMC puts 100 points down earlier in the day. And then, you know, the planet shifts back down to zero, and then Merkstar wakes up at 9 p.m. and does their thing and pushes it back to 100%. But Merkstar's only able to get, say, 80 points. OMC will pick up the planet. And so it is useful. It, it, like, you can't say it's valueless, but where you're right is that it's true. The planet's actually swinging. That's all gets decided at the end, just due to the way the CW works. But that doesn't mean that those teams can't t- put their name on the planet. I mean, you see OMC and some of the other European teams or Oceanic teams having tags on planets, right? Well, STS is I, I guess my my point being, and it, you're 100% right, you're basically saying it counts, but it sort of doesn't. My my point being is, I, I've heard a lot since Community Warfare has been implemented, there was really no point up until, or you had large units basically flood at the very end and flip the planet because that last four win- four hours mattered and the first however many 19 really didn't matter now we're going to have a lot more opportunities so are you guys in favor are you looking forward to the three hour window i guess let me that that's a question are you guys in favor well, that's part of it but Aris, yeah. I did, 
Eric, did you have a comment? Arisai, you did X up. Yeah, sorry about that. My computer locked up. Thanks, Obama. That's okay. Um, <laughs> no, I'm all in favor of the uh, the the at least a change to the current 24 hour schedule because right now, you know, we're seeing just the CWQ is just being relatively empty almost the entire day. And then once the last two or three hours kicks up, that's when everybody logs on. That's when everything instantly changes. So I think uh, being a part of a unit that has lots of uh, players that are overseas in the uh, European areas, um, you know, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing them be able to participate and have more of an impact on what's going on. But I think, uh, yeah, there'll definitely be some growing pains in the way, um, you know, waking up and discovering that you lost like two planets and stuff going on. So I can definitely see some speed bumps in the road. Gecko. I think one thing we can do to kind of curve, um, that kind of loss of planet is make taking a planet from that faction harder the more planets they lose within a given time frame. So let's say they lose three planets in a row um, or even more because they're getting hit from multiple fronts or whatever, start making the percentage requirement to take those planets higher until they start defending, until those planets stop being taken and then reset the, the cooldown again. So it kind of gives them a, uh, a little bit of a breather in a sense like, hey, we're getting hit. This, this is making it a little bit easier to defend more and more. Uh, and then finally, once we are able to defend, all right, we caught our breath. Now we're back on normal mode again. Maybe that's a way to kind of like uh, blunt that um, that concern a little bit. Steve, what are your thoughts on the ceasefires? I'm actually all for the three time zones because uh, my units actually got an Oceanic content or a group and a European group. And one of the first things they've said at the beginning is why. It just everything just flips in the last couple hours on the North American time anyway, so everything we've done during the day just gets totally wasted anyways. We've seen it where they've run up they've actually run planets up to a hundred and by the time we all get on, the other oceanic teams or other factions have run it right back down with there's nobody there to do anything with it. Yeah, now um I think in general, every it seems like everybody thinks the cease, the three times ceasefire is going to be a little bit better. Um, there are some other ideas. I'm actually surprised none of you brought this up. Some people have suggested, and I think we'll hear maybe a little bit on this from Russ tomorrow. The idea of having um, basically all the matches in a 24 hour period count. So basically, everything gets tallied up at the end of 24 hours. Um, you know, it'd be a, it'd be a different system than what's being used now. Um, I think that the three by eight is a move in the right direction, better than what's happening now. Um, whether it's ultimately the best, I don't know. Uh, I think we're going to have to see it implemented, see what happens. I do definitely think that, um, all the matches need to, to count, whether it's a, a three by eight or, uh, everything being tallied up in 24 hours. Uh, Antonius. I, I like that idea you brought up. Um, I, I've sort of thought about it a bit in the past. The problem I see with that is if you have every game count and you display the current value that a faction is at on a planet, let's say, you know, the day starts at midnight, we go all the way 12 hours later, and so we're at noon, and one planet is up 300 to zero, or, or even a smaller number, like 150, 100 points to zero, and I think you what you might see people looking at the map thinking is that, oh, well, they're so far ahead, we're never going to catch up, let's just not fight there. And so you'll see that come up at like even at noon, and it'll come for the 9pm guys, and it's like, oh, well, definitely no, no reason to fight there. 
And so because if you can see that number, unless the number is reasonably close where you know, okay, an hour of my unit fighting could make a difference, I think that system would actually be a detriment where you just see a lot of people going out. There's no point in me playing. Gecko? Um, it's, I echo what, he, what he's saying right there. Just, you know, just that kind of, anything that, that would, would be a, a way of discouraging people from playing because they feel like they're not going to make an impact. The key thing is there is that they don't feel like they're going to make an impact. People will stop playing, and that's the last thing we need to do um, for you know the betterment of CW. Another another um, possible way of or new brain fart, my turn now. Um, mm-hmm. Another thing that you can concern about is that say if you make it around like win ratios, all of a sudden you got units going deliberately out of the way to not drop unless they got their A team or unless they have a full tw- uh, full twelve man just to maintain that win ratio at a high rate. Again, that's discouraged people from hopping around at all. Um, we want to encourage people from 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 that. Uh, one thing we could also do to kind of help that is that you don't have to make it into a multi-planet front. What you can do, if it's possible, to have a ceasefire, has several ceasefires overlap with each other. It says that this planet ceasefire starts at this time, this planet ceasefire starts at this time. So even during a ceasefire, like cool, we don't need to stop playing. We can just play at this other planet now. And, Interesting. You know, basically, instead of having three, for example, we can have four, but have them overlap. You know, for several hours, so that way, you know, you can always have a reason to play. May not be on the same planet, but you always have a reason to. Phil, you wanted to interject? Well, I think this goes the ceasefire and talking about, you know, populations as far as play times and players anytime. I guess my question is, is it 24-7? I guess uh, that's sort of what it is, 24-7 community warfare. Do you think it's viable or do you guys like it or um, do you guys see other options? options out there are you happy with it what are you guys thoughts on it's not what i was actually expecting at all when community warfare came out i thought it was going to be like hey from 8 to 11 and from those times and so forth what are you guys thoughts on that yeah now this is actually a a topic that is later in the on the list but i don't know if we're going to make it that far so let's go ahead and uh go ahead and answer now erisai Oh, snap. I was expecting to be first. <laughs> oh, who um, was first? Was it Antonius? I think it was Antonius. No, Ersa, you go ahead. Go for it. Okay. Um, I would just like to say I, I really like the idea of the uh, the plant-based ceasefire times. I think um, I think that sounds like one of the best ways and one of the only ways that you could probably implement a full CW experience that's 24 hours around the clock without going into you know, crunch times every single two hours. You know, Definitely, it would give the overseas players more opportunities to play and it would also you know give people uh multiple times to overlap with each other so you may have you know really large units that have 200 plus players that don't really play with half their unit because half of them are playing overseas you know now you've got integrated groups where all the players are able to play with each other antonius yeah whatever the answer is the goal has to be to further include the oceanic and european populations like that has to be the goal. It's such a a huge player base when you compare it to the, all of MW as a whole. That you know, why wouldn't we want to try to fix the problem? My my concern with the three time zone thing is just simply that three planets per day as a possibility could you know have us have a reset a month from now after you know one clan reaches Terra or whatever, you know, a couple factions get wiped out or things like that, right? So yeah, I think we're gonna concern. need. We all need to tune in, I think, tomorrow and listen. Basically, Russ needs to get, you know, further into detail on how this is going to be implemented. It's hard. I mean, we can obviously 
guess at how it's going to play out. But uh, um, I, I think it needs to be implemented. We need to see it. We need to play it for some weeks and, and see if it's the right answer, if it's closer to the right answer, or if something completely different needs to be implemented. But Again, we Agreed, have so many yeah. topics. Uh, we need to we need to move on. So we're going to move on to the next one, which I think you guys will have some input on, which is ghost or, or turret drops. Um, you know, this is a big area of contention for a lot of people. Um, there's some been some suggestions I've been reading on the various forum threads, Reddit, um, some ideas that have been thrown out there. You know, nobody really nobody likes turret drops, uh, other than maybe people trying to capture a planet and. That all their members don't mind or whatever, but that, you know, everybody I think gets bored with that. So some ideas have been no turret drops for attackers that are capturing a planet uh, past a certain amount of, you know, basically once they've achieved that 53 or whatever percent, um, they can no longer do turret drops, uh, but uh, defenders can always do turret drops. Another idea is just no turret drops at all. What if you get to that point, nobody joins and you just get an auto win and a payout and you move on to the next match. So, with that in mind, who was first up? Uh, Gecko, maybe. Yeah, um, I think yeah. Um, I think not allowing uh, turret drops altogether. I mean, I, I'm, I'm gonna say right now I don't like them, right? But, it's good. but not allowing them altogether leaves uh, the option open for a faction simply not to drop anymore because they've won um, open, and that's just never okay either. So um, I think you know, best case scenario is like, cool, just call it an auto win, not waste people's time dropping dropping a match, let them requeue again if they want to. Um, would be the better option because you know it just it, no one wants to run through turrets. It's like all right, cool. This at that point you're just checking a box. They don't care. Um, so don't don't bother with that. Um, wins like that need to cost much less than, than a full on territory slot because honestly it shouldn't. I mean, to be perfectly honest, you can drop in 36 players if you have 20 minutes to kill or 30 minutes to kill. You can take a planet. You know if no one stops you. So uh, that needs it needs to be that not, needs not to be a, an issue. It needs not to happen. Because it can and it has, um, and you know, again, we go back to those smaller matches. Having the ability to have smaller matches kind of reduces the, the the amount of you know this happens. Amount of times this happens. So, yep, Steve. Well, pretty much what you said. Make it a, a, a just cap it out at fifty three percent. You get to a certain point. The pan's going to flip on a turret walk. Why turret walk it up to a hundred? Or okay. what you said there, or like. Just mentioned, just take them right out, auto win, lower C bill, move on. Or well, has lower it, rewards and just move on. Has anyone ever lost a turret drop? Would anyone even admit that if they had? Um, I've, I'll jump in. Uh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> not lost a drop, but had most of our mechs destroyed on it. But we were also playing stupid games like like the last guy to ready up or something. Right. Yeah, we were. Um, we were also. Uh, we also have kind of a game like if you get killed by a turret because we're running light mechs, or whatever. If you get killed by a turret, you have to put a million C bills into the unit coffer. <laughs> So you made made turret drops a little bit funner. I like that. I like that. You, you tried it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I with that, you know. I mean, sure, you're losing money technically, but like I said before, a lot of us, you know, who are doing that, like we don't, we need the C bills. So it's like, you know, um, if we're trying to farm C bills, fine, whatever. If I farm C bills, we run a bigger mech, you know, or just have fun with it. You know, try to make fun of the situation that you don't want to be in. Phil, your have... thoughts? Yeah, I would say, you know, currently, you know, not having an opponent, this is what I think needs to happen. Either you get rid of it. And you just get an auto win with very little rewards. Or you include PvE elements and you have tanks, VTOLs, maybe even other mechs. And, you know, do they want it to be a part? And I guess that's where design has to basically say, is there an actual point? Because right now I don't see the point uh, other than just wasting time and taking a 
uh, group out of the queue, which we need more in. So anyways, I feel like you just throw in those PV elements and make them fight AI and at least it's, and then it's something. But I think that's where design has to say, what is the point? And do we want them to have to fight or should it just be an auto win? Yeah, no, I agree. And, and Arisai is going to be brave and, and talk about his uh, turret loss. Go for it. Well, tied into both, you know, my opinion on turret drops, you know, I like the idea of it only going up to 53%. And I think I remember seeing on the forums, like the defenders, uh, ghost dropping ability was capped once it got below 53%. So basically it's either you're going to win the plant by one or you're going to defend the plant by one, but that's the maximum extent of how the turret or the ghost drops would go. And I was really in favor of that. Now when it comes to turret drops, I, I'm not sure if anyone else has experienced this, but uh, I noticed that if you have a server timeout while you're trying to counterattack and you get a turret drop, it will count as a loss. And, um, we found this out one time when it was literally we queued up and got a turret drop right before the ceasefire and the plant was up at 53% and we had just broken through the gamma generator and the entire server locked up. Oh, and, shit. But the game apparently was still being recorded for the CW purposes. So by the time the ceasefire was over, the the percentage didn't change at all because you know the full countdown of the game timed down to zero and it counted as a loss for the counterattack. So we lost the plant because server disconnected and i can legitimately say yes we lost a turret drop well good to know um we will be hearing more about ghost or turret drops from russ tomorrow so again tune in um we're gonna move on to the next topic which is maps um obviously currently we have two community warfare maps uh, boreal vault and sulfurous rift we have the uh, new one coming i think early next month the canyon network based map uh so what are your thoughts on maps guys um you know, the two current maps, uh, Gecko. They're not big enough, honestly. It's just, um, it's when it goes down to, sure, you don't want to do a lot of long walks, right? But they're very linear. They don't leave a lot of options. Like I was, you know, talking to a lot of the guys who were, you know, learning how to drop command and do that stuff. I goes, drop commanding in CW, believe it or not, is actually easier than it is in pubs because you remove the necessity for flanking and maneuvering. So um, you just either go or you stay. That's pretty much what your choices are. Um, there needs to be more options that way. I mean, I know people want to get funneled, want to, you know, funnel people into choke points. Roger, cool. I just feel like the entire map is more or less a choke point, and that's kind of like, kind of takes away from it. You know, even even board of all, it's just basically a wide choke point turning into a small choke point, turning into many choke points, and then turning into Omega. Yeah, um, Phil and I have seen the heat maps for. Uh, I don't know if they've been posted, you know, for everybody, but uh, for the community warfare maps, and they're there was no surprises for me. I knew exactly where everybody's going, same place as we go. Um, and yeah, there's not a lot of options, but now specifically let's, let's talk about Boreal vault first. Uh, does anybody have any comments on either attack mode or defend mode on Boreal? Is there anything that needs work? Is there any, is there stuff that's good there? Um, let, let me go yeah, a yes. step further. What are things that you like about the maps? Uh, is there anything in particular that they did right with community warfare maps that you want to see continued? And then on the flip side, what are things that you'd like to not see in future iterations? Well, uh, so I'm queued up here. Um, I Go do like them. I just, I just feel like they could capitalize on some of the terrain that they've done. I, I, I like, I like the um, the terrain on Sulfur. I like the areas just outside the gates of Gamma and I mean, actually all of them. Actually, they're all really fun areas to fight in. It's just a pain. That it's just a you know pity that we don't get to get to fight in those areas often enough. Um, I feel like, um, 
Boyles does a good job, like just outside the gates. That area is very, you know, feels condensed. But it's, it, it, so it feels like very uh, claustrophobic if there's too many of you in there, and it's very dangerous if the enemy can kind of choke point you in that spot. Um, like the little tank trap or little mech traps, you know, here and there, they're kind of cool. Maybe a little bit much, but uh, uh, here and there, they're really cool. I like the fact that they uh, they adjusted the terrain dynamically during that one patch where they uh, went from having flat hills to mountainous terrain. Um, that was pretty cool. Uh, I just, you know, it's just, I feel like, you know, they, it could use some work. I do like some of the parts of the maps. It's just there's a lot to, to be desired in terms of what kind of gameplay they promote. Sure. Arisai? Yeah, I think uh, I think Sulfurus is, you know, pretty good where it's at. I think Boreal does need some work um, from the attacking side. Um, but I think overall some map work because I've noticed on Sulfurus, you know, people utilize large portions of the map. They go different routes to Omega, different routes to get to the generators. You know, you have the three gate options in there. But for Boreal, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the heat map, like all the all the colors are all on the outsides on the flanks, either left or the right side, because there's really no incentive to go up the mill side. And so I feel there's a huge portion of the map that players don't utilize. Um, so I'd like to see some changes on Boreal just so we can utilize that area. Um, but I think overall, like the biggest thing that, community warfare definitely needs is just more maps in general and i think uh you know the map department's definitely working hard on that but more maps um definitely makes it harder to figure out which loads you're going to take because you you know are going to have different uh different atmospheres and everything so i think just more maps in general will solve a lot of problems with the repetition and gameplay yep i agree there's two in production that we know of now and uh, hopefully a lot more after that steve well Sulfurous I like because with the three gates you're constantly thinking, okay, you don't you can't really see which way they're going until they start hitting the generator. Whereas Boreal, you can sit somebody in the middle and oh there they are. It's just Boreal's too linear. It's just you know exactly what's gonna be be happening. It's really no thinking about it. Uh Gecko, you're next, but Phil, you wanted to interject? Well, I I have to ask, do you think the the layout of the maps play towards what gameplay you guys are seeing and what mechs are being brought. What are your, what are your thoughts on that as far as, uh, you know, drop decks and stuff does, or has that influenced just, uh, you know, Gecko. Um, to answer Phil's question, I think, yeah, it does. Cause we are seeing, uh, configurations and certain mech chassis just go from not being usable or, or used often in pub matches to now being our primary go-tos in these in, in situations. So uh, your likeliness of getting into a niche situation, i.e. really close, i.e. really far, um, are more consistent. So you can now more reliably bring a sniper mech or more reliably being a brawl mech knowing that you'll get the use out of it. So that's a good thing, I think. Um, at the same time, general mechs are obviously uh, good because you never know, you, you can operate in different situations. Um, but to speak on the the things they could do different for uh, Boreal, he's, he hit the nail on the head saying that you know the heat map would be on the far left or the far right. I think the one thing that can be changed about that map that would instantly make the, the center viable is make a tunnel. Just like it, like from um, from the uh, – what's that? Uh, brain fart. The industrial map that came out not too long ago. Oh, yeah. Okay, but you're saying a tunnel from where to where on Boreal? I mean, basically it's from inside the gate, right? Uh, you know, you go into one of those gates, you either, you either go t- towards the center, and from there it has a, a tunnel going from there. So instead of having that open valley, that road, having mm-hmm. that covered by a tunnel, now you have instantly more cover. It blocks defender's line of sight, you know, from, from being able to shoot you from both directions. And it also if it serves as another, yet another choke point 
So it gives the defenders another option in terms of how to defend, but it, it makes going to the center not suicidal. Interesting. Steve? Well, lo- loadouts definitely change per map. Like, Boreal, you're going to load up, like, myself personally, I'll load up on missiles and gauss, gauss weapons and PPCs. Whereas the sulfur map, I'm going to have everybody decked out in close-range combat stuff, like Brawl. Because generally with the sulfur map, that's what it ends up being, is a Brawl. So, yeah, the the sulfur map is definitely by far a much better map to play on than Boreal Vault. Oh, by, by the way, I'm not sure if you know this, but you can tell which map you're about to drop into before you drop into it. Yeah. yeah. Um, some people have figured that out. Yeah, there's... That's unfortunate that some people don't understand that because that does totally help. You know what map you're dropping, you know what mechs to pick, et cetera. Um, Phil? Well, I was just thinking, I mean, obviously we're, you know, metaphorically speaking of what we like or don't like or what we'd like to see. But one of the things I consistently see is, uh, you know, I see some people say they want bigger maps and I have some people that say they want smaller maps. And then I also see a point to both. Like, for instance, we have, they are big maps right now. But they're linear, right? You go down either three paths or two. Why not have it so the fight starts further out, even smaller gates? And then, you you know, it's this progression of a fight and stuff right now. I see a lot of units asking that are defenders to be able to open the gates and stuff like that. I almost feel like this fight just seems to be the, the you know, attackers drop. They walk a long way. And then they get to this gate, they blow it up, and then the fight, you know, goes around. I, I almost feel like the fight should start, you know, and especially Sulfur, you have plenty of areas for smaller gates as well. Uh, it d- doesn't have to be huge, gigantic ones. But, I mean, those are the type of things that I, I would love to see maps sort of evolve to. And you even heard Russ. Uh, he did say these maps were rushed. He did say that. He said, you know, we would like, you know, and hopefully the future maps would be better. But those are the type of things that... Is more of a dynamic play. It's not just we drop and we sit on our lures. I don't think defenders should be behind a wall if they don't want to be. I feel like they should be able to unlock. Or, again, if it's multi-layered, um, they can fall back to different gates and stuff like that. But just something a little bit more engaging instead of just drop, you wait, you wait, okay, they're coming and stuff like that, um, I think would be enjoyable. Gecko, I want to move on to the next thing, but do you have a short answer? or for- um, Somewhat short. Um, okay. A map doesn't necessarily have to be bigger to feel bigger. I mean, you have a great example of Canyon Network. If you don't have jump test, that map feels really, really big, whereas, you know, it's not really that big at all. Uh, Bog, it's not that big of a map, but because of all the terrain, it feels like a really big map. So I think just need to do a better job of making the map feel better, having more terrain, um, just kind of like being there to have more tactical considerations. Uh, and then the small additional point to that is, is fortification placement you guys know there's like those little ditches just outside the boreal gate why are they outside pointing in when we can probably be better having them for the defenders to use pointing out yeah cool so idea. i mean you, you have all this space and it's not being used and i think that's that's what a lot of uh that would be even a critique of like normal uh, you know solo group maps is you know using that extra space so more map love. Uh, we all want to see that. Now let's talk specifically uh, both of these maps, future maps, whatever. Turrets, dropships, generators, gates. Uh, what do you guys think? Do, do, you, do you is there anything? Do you want to see more dropship action? Stronger, weaker dropships? Turrets, more turrets? Turrets on the other three generators that were added. Should the generators be stronger, weaker? Some people have said, "What is you know?" They don't understand. You destroy a generator, therefore it loses power, but then somehow it opens up. People want to be able to uh, attack the gates directly. What are your guys' thoughts, Gecko? Um, 
personally, I, I feel like we should probably move. They probably should move away from the generators and have a more of a capture point because um, it, light the light rush didn't go away. You just have to be better at it. There's so far there's, there's nothing easier than win the game if you if you want to do a well, really well coordinated rush, and that's just kind of sad in some cases where it's just like it, it, it's not sad in the sense it's you know oh the meaning in the sense that it's I, I want it to be more about combat, and if you play the objective more uh, dedicated, if you roll, roll around your strategy being to take those generators out, even an organized team cannot stop that. I've not seen one yet that can do it. Um, so it's one of those things where like, I think we should move away from that all-in type of objective where you can spend all of your resources going out to the objective and not really try to kill the enemy, and you can still win. Uh, Steve, I think I passed you, and then we'll go to Eris. I'd like to see the... Uh... The turret, like more, uh, a few more turrets, actually pointing at the new generators. So you can't just hide behind it and shoot it and open up. You actually have to move around and shoot it. Plus, on the maps, the yeah, the three turrets behind the guns. Put streaks on the things. That will definitely help curb a light rush, or at least give the defending team a chance to beat it back. Arasai. Yeah, I think in general turrets could use a buff, and I think if turrets get buffed because already right now like if you ignore them especially if you're a light mech or even if you're a larger mech you know they can do damage and you know they're not the turrets that are in normal assault mode where you can pretty much just ignore them like lows but uh i think uh if we can buff the turrets you know then we can add a kind of a secondary objective where you can have say a turret generator that the team can send like a light lance off to and try to take that out to make you know the the rush for the generators and the mega lighter on a lot easier cool and i and phil t- touched on it earlier um ai you know ai could play a big part in uh adding to these uh matches um for example you break open the gates and that initiates you know a squad of helicopters flying in or something like that uh what are you elementals whatever helicopters tanks infantry uh all of a sudden flamers i want tanks yeah we all do so what are you guys thoughts on ai and implementing those into the the maps and the game modes phil i like the idea um i think immersion factor uh you know would be through the roof uh you know we've talked about uh you know ai infantry uh, machine guns, flamers have any use. Uh, we also want to look at the bigger picture too, as far as role warfare. Um, you know, I think, you know, Gecko, to go back to what you said earlier, you said bigger maps. Even though I, I, you know, I disagree to some extent, I think we have huge maps. But I think what you're getting to is, you know, like there's no alternate ways to come in, the, you know, the bases, but also role warfare, scouting, stuff like that. There's no. There's, there's really no need. I mean, if you're the attackers, you got these lanes and stuff like that. So with AI, I think, uh, you know, it lends the ways. And again, going back to those higher level, what happens if you win planets and uh, one of those benefits is you have double the amount of infantry or tanks and stuff like that. Imagine, you know, running up and, and going to the gates and your infantry, you know, all those type of things. I don't see why not, but I will say I want it done right. Uh, one of the key examples, uh, Titanfall, their infantry, love, love, love. If you've never watched a video or played that game, the infantry work phenomenally. But I've also seen AI done horribly um, in other games as well. So it's one of those things, if it adds to the immersion factor, isn't necessarily too dominant as far as damage to the players. So the players are still the end-all, be-all. 
I'm happy. And I think that's where AI have to be is they have to be a force, but, you know, a force to be reckoned with if you're ignoring them and not doing anything to them. But I, why not? I, it's Battletech. We've never had any game outside of really Mech Commander, um, you know, Mech Warrior four and three and stuff had to but it was just man i mean you could till you could kill a dropship with a you know a medium mech i mean it was it was it was stupid so why not i, I think it'd be phenomenal gecko i think uh you're, you're right i think it would be a great addition to the game i can easily imagine like having like a, a uh, unit perk of owning um owning owning something or having in the inventory an elemental drop having a dropship fly over you know the defending base dropping off a star of elementals just kind of go wreak havoc this is i i get i get you know inappropriately excited over that shit so it's you know um <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where i think it's a really good thing uh but i think it's all for not if we don't curve um something about the defender's spawn points because if you keep spawning them on top of the objective that, that the attackers need to need, need to go against they're always going to be encouraged to rush 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 get to that get to that objective as fast as possible at you know at any detriment at any cost so if we were able to spawn them away further back from the actual objective to give uh, attackers a reason to knock the defenders out so that when they're not instantly spawned on top of on top of them with a fresh mech, um, that would be, you know, those extra elements, like having elementals defending the base while, while you're, um, while you're responding or dropping off uh, elementals between the, uh, the points where they spawn and where the objectives are at. Um, all those things can be really useful, but in the end, they're not going to mean much if you can just dive past them and hit, hit the, uh, the Omega, you know, enough times to kill it. I like that idea there you had using tanks or choppers or AI units more than just the current turret system to help defend the base. That's not a topic on the list that I can see, and I don't think we need to go into the concept of spawn camping and why why you have to spawn camp if you want to take the objective and whatever all the crap that goes along with that. But uh, I that is an innovative system there, and I, I, that could perhaps be workable in that if you have additional defenses or little AI units that won't roam away from the base or things like that, and then perhaps we can drop people away from the objective uh, i think there's some value in that because i mean that that is at the core of the spawn camping debate is well it's is it really spawn camping if i'm attacking your base and you're spawning on top of me i do have to kill you then <laughs> but obviously you know there's both sides of the argument so i like that idea gecko that was good and then you know again those higher level things for actually owning planets or maybe you're because you're part of a faction of being able to upgrade those things, PGI has said, being able to upgrade possible turrets or dropships or I don't know. I mean, it's those are the type of things where you can upgrade what tanks or what infantry. Maybe they have a little bit more HP or maybe different weapon systems and stuff like that. So those are things that I think would be really cool. And again, it's not a C-bill, just sort of, you know, a layer of paint there. But, uh, you know, AI, I think, is instrumental. I just think it, it has to be done right. Um and but from the immersion factor, one of the coolest things I will say, talking about the maps, is that first time you you know you have a dropship coming in, drops you off, or you see them come in, and I think it's phenomenal. I think Chills. we'd all agree. Yeah, it, it yep. just that BattleTech sense. We have never had that before. Now I know some of you guys are like, yeah, we did Field MechWarrior Two and stuff. Not like that. We didn't. No, we've never had it where dropships are literally dropping people off. Um, there's another thing for uh, infantry and AI as well is what happens if it's a, a part of a like not a consumable per se, 
but you can point on the ground, press a button, and all of a sudden a, a dropship comes over, drops a squad of infantry or a tank, you know, stuff like that. Think of how dynamic things like that could be, um, you know, and I, I think it, it would add a lot to the game and, it, you know, it, it'd be it'd be interesting. Or even if it wasn't even a, an offensive unit, what happens if it's a big blockade bunker or a, a wall or concrete or something or a smoke screen those are the type of things i think yeah those are the type of things that i think would be really cool but uh we don't know um they've talked about ai but we just don't know if that is something we'll here tomorrow more tomorrow night steve i'm gonna let you close the discussion on ai go for it well ai would actually go a long way so if they don't take out the uh the ghost runs instead of just ghost ring in you have to actually fight the ai to get through there so and if a unit, oh, if it's an attack, and you're going against a, a planet held by a faction, that faction could actually use the unit coffers to boost the uh, AI elements that are there. All right, guys, good discussion on uh, maps and AI and so forth. Um, guys, we are running out of time. Literally, we have people in ten minutes that have to leave. So we're going to wrap this up with one more discussion topic. We're going to go through it as quickly as possible. We are unfortunately going to miss out on several discussion topics that we did want to uh, touch on today, but we will be doing this, I think, weekly. Um, I think the, the the demand will be there. It was a lot of fun. I've, I've had a great time discussing all this. Um, you know, I'll, I'll say some more when we wrap it up. I don't want to take too much time away from the, the next discussion topic, which is tactics and strategies. This is for both maps. Um, you know, we've, we've seen a lot of things. There's the light rush, there's stalling. People are stalling, um, some of the, the higher skilled teams just to keep them out of the fight for a certain amount of time. Uh, there's short range and long range. There's the people that are complaining that there's a play to win meta tryhards or whatever versus the play to have fun anti-meta group. What are your guys' thoughts on tactics and strategies? Um, let's see, Phil, did we have any? Okay. Antonius. Uh, I think it's there, there's so many different topics. I mean, you got the spawn camping and stalling, and the you know a couple teams have tried to hide max out in the middle of nowhere to delay games and whatever. And I think it's important to realize that a couple of things: one, that this is a beta. You know, PGI is actively looking into all of this and how to you know make the game better for everyone. Uh, and two, that. For the first time ever, units are fighting for something, right? We have CW. This has been what we've been waiting for for two and a half years. And My home planet. A lot of teams are here to play. And so, I mean, I don't think it's too out of line to expect teams to play to win. And we're in a new system, right? CW. There's all these mechanics and uh, different stimuli that uh, make different tactics valid or other tactics not as valid. And so... There's so many different things going on. I mean, we can talk about 24 different plays on the two different maps alone. Uh, but it, it's just it's exciting to see a new age for MWO. We've got new tactics, new strategies, new ways of playing, new drop decks. And uh, it's an exciting time to be playing MWO, for sure. It's been a long wait. Very excited to be here. Cool. And and yeah, when uh, he just said beta, no. MechWarrior Online is not in beta, community warfare is in beta it's a phase it's a it's an aspect of the game uh gecko you 
Yeah. Um, again, like you said, we can go. For, you can talk for days about different tactics and strategies that can be utilized. But one thing I, I find is really cool. It's creating situations and tactical scenarios that didn't exist in the pub queue. So, like certain builds, certain chassis that were just straight up DOA or just not, you know, viable, are now becoming viable in very niche ways. Um, and so that's exciting. It, it, you know, for, the, for a person like me who likes to, you know, number crunch and look at the different metas and try to, you know, uh, outthink the opponent whenever that's that's really exciting for me. I get to have a new playground to. To, to play with in essentially a sandbox type type thing where you can think that through but in terms of the mentality between you know oh is it a try hard place is it not is, is it a casual place it's like you're, you're playing for keeps like you're, you can literally see what you're playing for on the map you can literally have your name on it or not um i don't know it's my tell is like if you're going into it you know bring your big boy pants or don't come erisai yeah, as I said in an earlier response, you know, what one thing I love about community warfare is just that tactics do work. You know, it's no longer just, you know, a standard death ball. Yeah, sure, there's light rushes and there's attrition based games and spawn camping that goes on, but the, you know, that those are all just like three different tactics. And there's just a huge amount of tactics that can work. Like earlier on, you know, we would send one light mech to like hit one of the generators, draw half their team over, and then the other team would take down the other generator, rush in and take the base. And it's just being able to see that you can actually have strategizers actually work out strategies and plans based off what they see in the enemy team or what they know of them so far and use that against them. And I think that's the largest staying point for community warfare is just there's so much flexibility in what you can do. And it definitely helps even the playing playing ground where you can have a lesser skilled unit, but they can have a masterful tactician and they can have them lead them to victory over a higher skilled team. And I, that, I just love that. Well, uh, while I have you guys here, we have units that have played Strictly Clan, and we have units that have played IS. That that was a topic of discussion, the Clan versus IS. Do you guys find it more of tech is an issue as far as the dominant factor, or do you find it's the team and teamwork is OP? Organization and teamwork is OP. Organization. Absolutely. There have been too many times where I've gone against the teams in this room, you know, has shown me from both sides that um, that it's organization. I mean, there's too many times where I run into uh, individuals who are complaining about, you know, uh, tech imbalance, but these are the same individuals who aren't shielding, who are bringing bad builds, who aren't using the quirks that are uh, allocated to them. And so, you know, when you're using all the things that are out there as a, primarily, like, say, an industry player, which is what I hear mostly, you know, coming from, when you use the quirks like they're intended, those things are ridiculous. They're, they're really powerful. So at that point, it comes down to organization. Can you organize better than your opponent? If the answer is no, you're probably not going to win, regardless of what tech you're running. And I want to hear no shit about Thunderbolts. There are so many good IS facts. Multiple, <laughs> multiple, like three or four excellent Thunderbolt, Thunderbolt builds, not just the PPC one. Uh, Absolutely. And then on the flip side, Clanner, well, awesome. So it's a reasonably well-balanced, surprisingly. And hopefully getting better. If there is an imbalance, it's a minor one. Well, I mean, there's more, you know, Phil can could tell you a lot more than me, but there's uh, a lot more to the, the quirks coming. And yeah, I mean, there's going to be more balance happening and more mechs that will, will shine soon. Um, Steve, did you have a comment? Yeah, just what was echoed there. It's like at the end of the day, it comes down to tactics and organization. Absolutely does. Um, guys, unfortunately... God, this seriously could have easily, I think, been four hours. Um, we will be yeah, having more. Yeah. I, t first of all, the four of you, uh, Antonius, Arasai, Gecko, and Steve, thank you so much uh, for showing up today and spending two hours 
you're, you're I'm, I, I'm guessing your units are fighting community warfare right now and you're, you're absent from uh, that, but we totally appreciate it um, for you guys taking the time, everybody that's shown up, we're going to be doing more of this. We didn't uh, touch on a lot of discussion topics, including uh, drop decks, speaking specifically of certain mechs like Timberwolves, Stormcrows, uh, Thunderbolt 9S, etc. cetera, uh, game modes, uh, both attack and defend the changes to counterattack coming. Plus there's other game modes already in uh, design and so forth. Um, you know, just general issues like Phil was touching on 24 seven community warfare, new player experience, performance, optimization, um, player run leagues and tournaments, how that affects uh, community warfare. Like for example, MRBC is starting up. Are we going to see a decline in population? All these things are going to be stuff that we're talking about every week. It looks like we're probably going to do this every week. So I'm really excited, really thankful for everybody showing up. Uh, Phil, you have something you want to say? Yeah, I just want to give a quick shout outs again to the guys in here. Uh, Merc Star, Jade Falcon Prime, Robinson Ranged Brigade, and Clan Wolf International. And they're, uh, you know, the, the guest tonight. Appreciate it, Rex and Arisai and Gecko and, and Steve for being here. Uh, it's been great. And it's always interesting getting, you know, the viewpoint from you guys. And, uh, you know, quite positive. I think that's that's another thing is a lot of people can take out of this first implementation of Community Warfare is it It worked. It needs a lot of work, but we can see the potential. So again, thank you guys, and a thank you to everyone out there who is watching. Uh, we just want to say appreciate your time, and we will be posting this up on YouTube, and I think Darren's also going to be posting it possibly to SoundCloud as well. Um, yeah, it'll be both. But uh, I just want to say thank you to our community, our supporters, and our staff, everyone behind the scenes, and uh, all of you unit leaders out there. Look forward to sitting down and talking with you, uh, well, some of you, next week, and then going on uh, from uh, there on out. Yeah, and don't forget, uh, somebody was asking, wait, isn't the town hall tonight? No, this was the roundtable discussion with unit leaders. Tomorrow night is the roundtable meeting with Russ, and that will be starting 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, We'll be discussing a lot of stuff we discussed tonight, but Russ is going to have the answers. Um, So community warfare will be probably the main topic, but we'll also be talking about 2015, what's coming. Um, Totally worth uh tuning in for so please do and yeah we'll do uh shout outs for these guys so antonius go for it well i guess i got two shout outs one first of all to pgi uh frankly the launch of cw was above and beyond what i had expected and i'm very very pleased with it and you know it's still early they're going to be adding just thing after thing to this and very very excited to play in it so tip of the hat to uh, PGI for getting this rolling. That was an impressive uh, you know, 2014 Christmas gift. And awesome. Then you want to say anything to your a, unit? Yeah. A big, yeah, big shout out to all of the Merkstar Alliance. Um, we've got uh, Clan Kodiak, SWK, or Swords of Kentaris, SIG, uh, Star League Reborn. Who else am I missing? Missing someone. Uh, the the others. Few. And uh, we just uh, signed on a new unit last night, the Dragons of Morgoth. So excited we're growing and uh man god bless the cw stuff this has just been a ton of fun cool arisa you want to say anything any shout outs yeah i'll give a shout out to uh both my con merlin connors Sawcon, gunny ride along with uh our oath master obi-wan 206 and then all the uh leaders in the uh exos of all the uh wolf galaxies that are operating under us and i'll also give a shout out to Merkstar for giving us near continuous competition. So thank you, guys. <laughs> right on, Gecko. I want to do a shout out to uh, all my fellow uh, uh, officers and leadership at uh, J Falcon Prime. They've you know done an immense amount of work to 
power unit be as strong as it is as it is now and also pgi for just um for the last you know several months since uh they've gotten their independence uh you know you know from you know igp they've been on the ball i mean this this thing is like uh, i uh i'm surprised and relieved uh that they're performing perfectly you know well and just they do everything they're delivering they're delivering well they're delivering early they're delivering when they when they say they're going to deliver uh and also quick shout out to the guys over at uh kcom and uh diamond Shiver. you guys has always been cool cool to us so um we appreciate that sweet and steve you got any shout outs just pretty much to everybody that's over on the house davian ts server every night that's working with those guys every day just makes cw just that much more fun awesome and Phil, you want to take us out? All right, guys, that's going to be it for tonight. Again, I just want to say thank you to our guest and you guys out there in chat. If it wasn't for you, we wouldn't be able to do this. So again, looking forward to doing this in the future. And of course, I just want to say, if you haven't followed this channel, make sure to do so so you get email notifications. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And this will normally be going in on Thursday night. We had to do it tonight because of tomorrow's town hall. But uh, adapt and overcome. Thank you again, guys. And we look forward to sitting down and chatting with you uh, next time. So until next time, Mech Warriors.